I'm in danger. I'm running this monkey for now, Frankenstein! I know I'd go from rags to riches. Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't make a head or tail out of it. Farabelli, you've got the brain of a four-year-old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to Your List Sucks, episode 98. Your List Sucks, top 100, volume 3, episode 1. We are live, no more pre-record. Our panel is here to take your insults and your abuse in real time throughout the entirety of their lists. I am Kirk Kolkowski. I am your reigning Your List Sucks Top 100 champion and your host for the next 10 plus weeks as our panel will be running down their Top 100 movies. Uh, you see who's around me. If you're familiar with these guys, you probably have an idea what you're in for. If not, you're going to find out soon. Uh, we put together a group, I think, a uh, very eclectic group of movie fans. I think that you know, you're going to see uh, alliances formed and broken, friendships destroyed. It's going to be crazy. We're going to have a lot of fun over the next uh, couple months. Uh, so let's get started. Let's introduce our panel. Uh, first, uh, we have Mr. Zach Ford. Zach, thank you for being on. Uh, I'm really excited about your list. Now, you and I, it's interesting, you and I are... Probably out of everybody here, you and I have gotten to know each other the least. Uh, so what do you think our relationship's going to look like two and a half months from now? You're muted. muted. It's going to be horrible because I'll never speak when I mean to speak. I'll be muted the whole time. We're going to get frustrated very often. Um, I also think because um, I think I have a different vibe than a couple other people. I don't know. Ethan, I think, is who I know the least. Um, so that's what I have. I have no idea what to expect for his list. Um, but I think compared to everyone else, I, I think there, there's a lot of variety between what we want to get out of movies um, and how we think about movies. I think that's going to be seen. But also, you only like about 10 movies. Um, so I'm just ready for most of my list to get bashed around. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll rate 10. Uh, below me, we have Ethan Beller. Now, Ethan, you and I, probably out of everybody, I know you the most. You and I have you know, been together the longest. Uh, do you think that's going to give you an advantage on this show? Uh, no, because I think that you and I have such vastly different tastes. But sometimes we align in ways that I don't expect. You know, We can like kind of put our hatred for certain movies together a lot. Um, so that's always fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is you know my top 100 as of right now in life. Of course, it's changing all the time. But yeah, I'm excited to, to get made fun of by everyone and, and have everyone tear all my picks apart. All right. Uh, next, Ethan, we have Brian Michaels. Uh, Brian, for as long as you and I have known each other, pretty much, we've been at our throats arguing about movies and not like friendly, like l funny bickering. Basically, like, is Brian still going to be my friend because of what I said about Caddyshack, <laughs> too? That kind of stuff. Now, so I got to give you credit. Ballsy move agreed to be on the panel while I'm hosting. Um, I'm not even worried about you win or lose the show. We'll be speaking to each other when this is all over. Uh, well, first of all, I, I was, I joined this show. Before you were announced as the host of it, so, so <laughs> I might not have been so brave. Um, will I still be here? I don't know. You better have an alternate in the wings, or else you're just gonna go three people eventually. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, though, I mean, you surprise me sometimes. We actually agree once in a while, so maybe we'll have a couple of those on the list. At least. Yeah, we'll see. 
And last but not least, we have the man who uh, hosted the last top 200 or 100 shows, and now he's switched his seats. Uh, he is on the panel. Uh, Cody, I don't have to ask you about your list. We know you have great taste in movies. You've named me the winner twice now. So just I'll ask you, how does it feel to be the uh, be in the other, you know, for the, the shoe being on the other foot right now? So this has to be the hardest experiment that I've ever put myself through. Uh, coming up with a hundred movies to talk about passionately about, um, and then having to be ripped apart for the choices you make after making this list. Um, I'm just glad that I was in charge of the show. Like I have the, I, it's, it's my domain. So I changed it up until like, I think seven hours ago. So that was always fun for me. Um, but I'm so glad that this torture is over and I could just stand behind the list and whatever maybe. Uh, and I watched the movies today that I was like, shit, that could have possibly been. So well, this was, is just going to be, be chaos. That, that was going to be my, uh, my first question. We're seven minutes into the, the first episode. Are you sure your list is finalized? My <laughs> list is, Switch the graphics around. We'll kick you what? My list is final because after this is all over, I need the man in the chair off screen to still be there. So I'm going to let him just be okay with the list and we're going to go on. All right. Speaking of the man in the chair, uh, Big respect to Coho for that new opening. I love that. Uh, totally tailor it, specialize it for me, and I love it. Good job, Coho. Thank you for that. Uh, but let's get started. Uh, for the top, for the for 100 through 91, we're going to go through regular uh, Your List Sucks rules. Uh, 198, just you and I will talk about it. Uh, we'll go through those and then move on from there. Uh, so, uh, Cody, we'll start with you. Give us your 100 through 98. Like, I'm so excited that you got to start with me. Uh, so, I know how the show works, um, and I didn't like tailor my list to like what no one gets to talk about and what everybody gets to talk about. I tried to do that, and it just became a nightmare. So I'm just going to go through it, and this is what's happened. So my number 100 is Network. My number 99 is The Spectacular Now. And my 98 is American Animals. So uh, 100 is network. So certain movies, like I watch for the first time and they instantly can move up the list really fast. This one's slower. Um, I, I'm, I'm liking more and more of it every time it moves up. Um, I think the performances in this, uh, Robert Duvall being one of my favorite actors, I think gives an outstanding performance, but he's surround, they're surrounded by so many talented people. Uh, William Holden's in this movie. I think the ending is shocking and kind of just like, insane uh the opening to this movie is uh great uh i i love the clip you know i'm mad as hell i'm i'm not going to take it anymore that's how i feel about the show all the time so yeah network was my clear 100 it's it was my latest edition and it will probably move up more the more times i watch it uh 99 is the spectacular now um so this movie uh watched it for the first time last year um and I just relate to it. Um, growing up and in high school, I was Miles Teller. Um, I had a problem with alcohol and everything else and not worrying about life after the thing and just living in the now and ruining a lot of friendships along the way just because of how it was. So this one's more of a personal pick. I think it's actually a, like a really smart story. I think, uh, I think it's a great coming-of-age story about that next step right before you take off where you know have the safety net of home and dad not being around stuff like that it just plays personally into my i'm not a huge miles teller fan but like in this movie he just really works um and my 98 is american animals uh this movie is another one that i watched for the first time last year uh i think this the movie is insane um 
I I know I've talked to people the mixture between not liking um uh the like the documentary style versus the like the stuff, but it is just a crime movie that I want to see more people adapt the style and do it uh, forward because I think it's so interesting and you get to it's kind of like like a live play out of what happens, but you get to see the real guys and what their decisions led to their mistakes. And I, I think it's incredible. So yeah, that's my first three. Okay, cool. Uh, network. Great pick. Uh, bums me out. It's dying on the vine here at number 100. Uh, I love it. This is what, you know, the Met does a great job with this ensemble cast. It is a fantastic cast. What I love about this movie is it's so subtly a comedy. And it takes you know you, you, it has that punchline at the end. It really takes that long for you to figure out like, oh okay, I see what they were doing here because they they're playing it so straight and they just they never really cross that line over the part where it's like a pure like parody. Um, but you you realize, especially on multiple watches, uh, that it definitely is. And I really love that about. That. I love the tone of this movie. Uh, Spectacular now, just just not my movie. Um, not my cast. I'm, Shailene Woodley doesn't do it for me. Uh, I'm not interested in uh, Miles Teller unless J.K. Sims is throwing a drum to his head. Um, and it's it's a, like I agree. Like I understand what you're saying. Like that could be a very personal story for you. Um, but I think mostly because of the cast, it just doesn't do it for me. Uh, American Animals. You know, I've talked about that before. Uh, this is my favorite movie of that year. Uh, I just I, you know talking about the documentary style versus like the, the the narrative part. I love how they 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 play with that and they they, okay. they they mess with that. I love how they just play with time and perspective and all those different things. Um, I love the way this movie is just set up, the way the story is told. Uh, great movie, great pick. Uh, let's move on to Ethan uh, for your one hundred through ninety eight. Yes, sir. Well, my number 100, uh, like Cody's, is also a very subtle comedy, um, and that is Wet Hot American Summer. Um, my number 98 is The Hunt, not Hillary Swank's The Hunt, uh, 2012 The Hunt. And my 98, oh, sorry, that was my 99. My number my, 98 is Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's. Okay. Nobody has any yikes for that, for those three? No. Okay. Somebody does. I think, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I missed what number 100 is. It's if it's me, I pre. It is you, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> yikes! Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. just hoping it was me. Oh, yikes! Yeah. Yeah. Yikes! How's the show work? Let's <laughs> see. I'm just focused on the branding. <laughs> um, so that means I skip it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So 99, then The Hunt from 2012 is a uh, a Danish movie starring Mads Mikkelsen, directed by uh, Thomas Vinterberg, and it is a like terrifying drama. It's not like meant to be a horror, but it might as well be about this kindergarten teacher played by Mads Mikkelsen, who he's just he's a good he's a great teacher. He's a great guy in this like little town, and this girl in his kindergarten class has like a crush on him as like a you know like a, a crush on her like older you know Mads Mikkelsen's a very sexy man but you know who wouldn't but she doesn't understand what she's doing and she tries to kiss him because she's a little girl and she doesn't know what she's doing is wrong and he says you can't do that and he hurts her feelings and she tells her parents that he like made a move on her or something like that I don't remember exactly the the chain of events but it is terrifying and then he didn't nothing wrong happened but um the entire town basically um, just goes after him as if he was a pedophile, which he's not. Um, and it's just an incredible movie, incredible character stuff. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen gives the best performance of his career, um, and it's shot really, really well. It's shot very realistically. You're in this real terrible situation with this guy who's done nothing wrong and doesn't deserve to be there. 
Um, and Mads Mikkelsen is just like acting his life off. It's it's incredible. Um, and then moving on to number 98, uh, Spider-Man 2. This is arguably, in my opinion, uh, maybe the best superhero movie ever made. Uh, Sam Raimi did it better than anyone else. It is the best of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies. It is better than any Marvel movie, um, Marvel MCU movie. I will say that with confidence. Uh, Sam Raimi, what he got right about these movies was character and making the hero stuff be secondary to the character stuff. Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker's a real guy. You care about him. He's dealing with real problems. He's New York City Spider-Man. He's, he's you know, getting through. He's, like, barely scraping by. He's not... He doesn't have this you know, super powered Tony Stark suit all the time. You don't have Iron Man showing up all the time. It's a Spider-Man movie, incredible villain, Doc Ock, Alfred Molina is the best. Uh, that incredible hospital scene is pure Sam Raimi horror and it is, is brilliant. Okay, skip your 100, The Hunt. Uh, yeah, I just watched this this past week. Uh, yeah, this movie's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen. I, I really enjoyed like just seeing him do something like non-genre. Like you don't see that a lot. Like usually he's like the big bad or something, or he's playing one of those characters. Um, just seeing him be like a normal guy and like you know doing a great job acting. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, the, the movie is is scary. It's just how innocuous it is. I mean, what what, what happened is um, the girl that accuses him had her brother had like and her friends were mess and his friends were just messing around and like they were looking at porn and they showed her it for a second. And like the memory of that, like sparked her saying this about her teacher, and she's too right. young to realize what she's doing. So it's like she's she's not really doing anything wrong. She's just confused, and it just starts this whole chain of events. Um, this movie is rated really high. It's like in the top one hundred on Letterbox. I liked it. I didn't like, like it that much. Uh, I'd like to go back and watch it again, maybe see if there's something I missed. But like it's one of those movies that's just really hard to watch. So I don't know how soon that's going to happen. Uh, but still, good pick. Um, Spider Man Two. There was a time where I would have agreed with you that this was the greatest superhero movie of all time, um, but I don't think it has aged well. Um, there's just I, and I, the, the one thing he did get right. This movie captures the spirit of who the character of Spider-Man is. Just that sad sack, hard luck, can't catch a break, but still trying to do the right thing. Captures that better than any superhero movie ever. It just it just gets its character so right. Uh, but still, there's you look you watch it now. There's so many cringy moments. The part where he's like trying to read poetry and stuff. It's just so hard to watch. And Tobey Maguire just has so many of those moments in this movie. Really kind of kill it for me. Alfred Molina is great at Doc Ock, but still, like just his relationship with his wife and talking about like being in love. It just uh, it's so it's so cheesy. Um, so it's not terrible. It's just not as not nearly as good as I used to think it was. Um, but uh, now we're going to move on to Brian uh, for your top three or bottom three. Uh, my number 100 is 1979's The Jerk. Uh, my number 99 is The Fugitive. And my number 98 is What If, a.k.a. The F Word. No likes. Okay. Um, the Jerk. So so back in the 20th century, uh, Steve Sorry, Wonder I was muted. Two of those are yikes. Just so oh, which know. ones? <laughs> uh, what If and uh, The Fugitive, both yikes. Okay, okay. So I'll talk about The Jerk. Okay. Cody, it's like you've never been here before. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I've never figured out the mute button in four years. It's the most <laughs> insane thing. So yeah, so back in the 20th century, Steve Martin actually made movies. And long before that, he actually made funny comedies. Um, you know, they were actually consistently funny for the first several years. And The Jerk is basically his first starring role and still probably his best one. Um, this is a movie that it's, it, you know, it's a simple concept. It's just kind of, you know, this dumb guy and going through his life. 
but there are just so many, so many funny moments, funny scenes. Uh, you know, it's eminently quotable. I actually rewatched it this past week, and had I watched it before I made my list, I probably would have shot even farther up the list. Um, but it's just one that I, I honestly kind of forgotten how funny Steve Martin used to be until I rewatched this movie. Okay, so Jerry. I'm out of the Jerry eggs, so. Yeah, Jerry Feeling, we're talking about. Okay, yeah, I went back and rewatched this this week, too, because I hadn't seen this since I was a kid. And this is one of those movies used to be on cable all the time. So when I was a kid, I watched this a million times. Um, but I wanted to just see how well it holds up. And it holds up pretty well. The, the comedy does it. There's a lot. This movie would never get made today. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, that, hell no, yeah, hell this no. is, yeah. I mean, the movie but, starts off with him saying, I was born a poor black child. I mean, yeah. 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 So, the, yeah, the, there's a lot of stuff in here. It's, nowadays, would not would not pass the test. But um, it's still pretty good. Steve Martin, I've, I've never been a huge Steve Martin fan, but he had a period of time movie-wise, like late 70s or, uh, or late late seventies, early nineties, um, where he put out like some really, really great movies. Um, and some of the comedy in this kind of falls flat from me. There's still somebody great, man. It's like, Oh, he really hates these cans. Uh, that's, I just like, <laughs> and he's good for the bakelite. He's like, I have my, uh, I have my astronaut test, uh, form here. Uh, just, just dumb stuff like that. Just so, so ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I think that's a pretty good pick. Great, great 100. Uh, great way to start off the list. Um, I'm I'm 100 so far with Kurt. It, yes. it's, it's it's only downhill from here, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach. Um, I want to say I'm very proud that this is the first time ever I think I have the list in front of me and don't have to wait for Coho to post the things to know my picks. Because um, I am doing my own little drinking game, which is anytime I'm embarrassed by my own incompetency, I'm going to take a big swig of brandy. Um, <laughs> Um, my number 100 uh, is a documentary from 2007 called Young at Heart. Young at Science Heart. Okay. 99 is Make Way for Tomorrow. And 98 is Tampopo. All right. So I, I'm pretty sure we have the least yikes um, throughout this top 100. So we'll go for it. Number 100, uh, Young at Heart. Um, this was me giving it the benefit of the doubt because I don't think I've seen this since 2010, but I watched it two days ago for the first time in 10 years. And just um, just so delightful and lovely. This is about a um, group of senior citizens from like age 75 to 90 something, 93, that um, sing rock and roll songs that perform around the world. Um, so they have this choir. Um, it has, you know, the heart that you would expect as far as um, the, you know, inspiration that these people are living life to their fullest and the passion they have um, and, and some, you know, predictable heartbreak throughout and just like the greatest performance of a Coldplay song that many people could think is cheesy. But when you hear it sung like this guy who sounds like an old Johnny Cash, it's it's one of the most tear-jerking scenes that I've cried, you know, all three or four times I've seen it. It's on Amazon, or you can only run on Amazon, but everyone should do it. Okay, 99. Um is make way for tomorrow i am um i kind of use this bottom 10 half of them are, are things i've seen recently for the first time um kind of reserved for the bottom list make way for tomorrow i watched earlier this year this is a it's really a romantic comedy from 1937 but it's a romantic comedy about seven year olds maybe i have a theme that this is all elderly people at the bottom um but i think the gentleness that this is told with um in the patience and it kind of takes a while to get to the romantic point but once they are off together kind of on this date before they this couple is forced to um like live apart because they couldn't, couldn't afford their house anymore. The health is declining. They have to go live with their parents. Um, they've been together for 40, 50 years. Um, but they're one like last date out to a bar and they're kind of acting like they're like 25 year olds in a way and rekindling the, rom man, um, the romance. It, it's just a lovely and very sincere um, piece of movie making um, from the 30s. Um, and my 98 is Tampopo. 
Um, Tampopo is a um, Japanese comedy about making ramen. Um, it's a it's a woman that wants to make um, has a ramen shop, and people come in and say we're going to make this the best ramen shop possible. Um, there's a lot of great you know just watching people eat and be passionate about what they are making and what they are eating, and I love watching passion on screen. People you know really loving what they're doing. It's also like a weird ass comedy in a way. Every like ten to fifteen minutes, it cut out for like just skits just food based um imp not improv skits but but skit comedy that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie and there's just some you know some great jokes um it's also just like a chill movie i did um watch this in school not um like look at the parent guide when i was um had a day at work and there's like a weird food sex scene that i was worried i was gonna get fired real fast but it's a delightful movie um and i went okay uh young heart i have not seen uh, I'm not a big documentary guy. I was watching some clips of it and stuff. Uh, looks fun. Um, Remind me of like one of those like human interest stories you see at the end of the news. Uh, just expand it out. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's older people living their life, having fun, uh, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Make way for tomorrow. I also haven't seen this. Bums me out because it was on Criterion Channel for the longest time, and uh, I kept putting it off, putting it off, and finally they took it off. And now you can't find it anywhere. This is available to stream. If I could have watched it, I would have watched it because I do want to see this. Um, but unfortunately, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Tampopo, great pick. I love this movie. Uh, I just watched this movie for the first time about a year ago, and this movie actually made me hungry for and nostalgic about a food I had never eaten. Um, it got me so excited about uh, Japanese ramen. I wanted to go out and find it. And then the pandemic happened and, you know, you couldn't even get a, a burger, let alone ramen. But eventually I did find a local place and, you know, I took the family and it was awesome. And I have this movie to thank for it. Um, you know, when a movie does something like that in your real life, that's pretty cool. Uh, so I love this pick. Very good. All right. Uh, so now we're going to start at 97. And this is where everybody gets involved. Everybody's going to get to put in their two cents and, uh, you know, just tear each other apart. Uh, so, Cody, we're coming back to you. We're going to do your 97 through 94. Muted. Unmute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I pay enough fucking money to StreamYard. Give me a button where I just have to click it, or as soon as my mouth opens, it unmutes. Okay? I mean, they do give you the button that you just have to click. <laughs> listen, I, listen, listen, listen. You don't show up for the show at all, and the first one you show up because Kirk's here. Yeah, you club dread people. I know you. Okay, this is a terrible one to just jump start everybody in. And when I would thought about placement, maybe I should have put this at ninety eight so no one could talk. But my ninety seven is Step Brothers. Now, this was real hard between Step Brothers and Anchorman. I love both of the movies. I find them hilarious. Uh, my whole goal for this whole top 100 is probably to quote the entire movie just to piss off Brian the entire way. Uh, but I'm going to save him from that. Listen, this movie just works uh, for me. It came out at the perfect time. Uh, I think the the brother relationship between John C. Riley and Will Ferrell uh, is perfect in this movie, especially with the parents. Um, I think uh, the entire uh, – when it goes – fully downhill and he they wrecked their boats and uh brennan walks in and tells i think that's richard jenkins i don't know how i don't know who is that who's the dad i don't play trivia richard jenkins um, yeah. ha huh, two points uh <laughs> when he's when he yells at him and tells him he's gonna take one of those fake hearing devices and shove it up his ass uh it's just one of the funniest movies uh so quotable i was watching cops um yeah so step brothers was gonna make this list um it's a five star in letterbox just because perfect so it's fair go okay. ahead let's have fun now i'm 
I'm trying to take each pick independently of itself and not take anything else into consideration. But you brought up Anchorman. Yeah. And just a little peek behind the curtain, your original list had Anchorman on it. And I was bad it enough because Anchorman was one spot behind this one. Correct. When you completely took Anchorman off and left Step Brothers, I was not happy. I'll be honest, I was not happy. I don't play into host. Everybody else plays into me when I host. I don't give a shit about you. No offense. Anchorman, Anchorman is peak, peak Will Ferrell. Step Brothers is the beginning of the downhill trend. I mean, it's 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 the beginning, but it's the first step towards Holmes and Watson. I mean, that's 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 where they're headed from that movie. Um, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I don't think it's completely unfunny. It has some really great moments. The sleepwalking scene's great, um, but yeah, this this is I, I like I said now now that you said it, I can't get the two out of my head. I, I'm comparing the two and the fact. I mean, when it comes to Will Ferrell movies, Anchorman is the Mona Lisa. Step Brothers is a finger painting. And it really bothers me that Step Brothers is the one that made your list, but it is what it is. Everybody else, what are your thoughts on Step Brothers? Brian, you'll probably uh, go last. Yeah, I, I'll just go quick because I agree with most of what you just said, Kirk. Uh, Anchorman, I think, is like a fantastic movie. I think it's like brilliant. Um, I think Will Ferrell did peak it with that movie. Um, Step Brothers, I used to love when I was younger. And the older I got, like, I'm not that old, but, like, the older I got and the more I watched it, like, my sense of humor changed. I don't necessarily think it's a bad movie. It's just not for me anymore. I don't really find it funny anymore. But, um, but like Kirk said, like, now that I knew, I know Anchorman was another option, like, I, you should, I don't know what you did, Cody. I don't know why you took it off. Yeah, uh, this movie is super grating. Same thing, it's probably my least favorite of um <laughs> the McKay Farrell movies. Uh, it, it's just like shouting for 90 minutes and they, they, there's no change of, uh, of rhythm. And I think it takes the man boy of trope that was so popular in the late 2000s and goes way over the top with it to where it's uncomfortable. And uh, um, I don't say offensive. I, I can take it for comedy, but it does seem like there may be uh, um, not, not just men who act like children, maybe a little um, darker than that, um, that I don't know if the joke's I can um, make make work past that. So so bad pick, and Cody's a horrible person for liking this movie. Um, I actually mostly agree with Kirk on this, but it's I, I actually enjoy the movie. I think it's pretty funny. I don't love it nearly as much as a lot of people in this community, but I mean it's fun. Um, but I mean it's just for me, Will Ferrell movies. Most of them are kind of like Adam Sandler movies, and they all just kind of blur together for me because they're all so similar, and I'm not even sure which jokes come from which movie anymore. Things like this, but I mean, it, it's fun. I have no problem. Being, it wouldn't make my top 100, but I have no problem with it. Okay, Brian, we might as well introduce him now to the Kirk Brian principle. Uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian and I disagree on so much so vehemently that anytime we agree, whatever we agree on is fact. And it's it fact. cannot be argued. So that is going to be in play for this entire, entire series. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Cody, what is your number 97? That just sounds like hell. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but uh, my 96, uh, my 96, yes, my 96. So there's there was a possibility that I could put a lot of comic book and a lot of animated stuff on that because that's the probably the stuff that I've seen the most. Um, then there's this uh, franchise out there or world called DC that is a total shit box. The movies in that thing is fucking ass. I'm sorry. There are select few that I actually like. This one breaks the mold and takes completely out of it. And it's uh, my 96 is Road to Perdition. 
Road to Perdition, when I deep dove into fandom and had to go into fandom and the hellhole that is fandom, um, this was one of the brightest ones that I saw from that. Because it, it plays into my, it's a crime film. Uh, it has Paul, it has Paul Newman in it and with Tom Hanks and that, and that dynamic of basically he's in this world and he gets shut out of this world and he has to basically battle his way back, uh, you know, and save his kid's life um, that he was disconnected from. I think it's a very strong movie, um, especially out of the DC movies. Um, this one is, and uh, I, I'm learning that I really like Sam Mendes as his like directing style. I just enjoy this, uh, his play on this movie. So yeah, uh, Road to Perdition was an easy add and it gets better on rewatches. Yeah, uh, Road to Perdition is great. I just rewatched this uh, for the first time in a while a couple months ago. And yeah, Tom Hanks in this kind of role um, where he's kind of, I don't know, an anti-hero, or at least as close as Tom Hanks is going to get to an anti-hero, um, is really interesting. I think he played it well. Uh, Daniel Craig is really good in it. Uh, just I, I love him in those kind of like swarmy bad guy roles. And uh, Paul Newman is just amazing. And uh, just the dynamic between him and Hanks and Daniel Craig and the relationship with those three and his love, the fact that he loves Hanks and hates his son, but has to go against Hanks because it's his son. Uh, it's just such a, just such a great dynamic. And uh, that scene in, in the rain uh, with Paul Newman, I'm glad it was you uh, just, just such a, just maybe, maybe one of the best scenes of the decade. Uh, so yeah, I, I love this movie. That's a really good pick. Goody. Uh, everybody else wrote a prediction. I have not seen this movie, so let me sit this one out. I, I've seen it. I think it's okay. Um, it's not my kind of thing. I've, I've, I've never been into like the whole mobster crime dramas kind of thing. And even when you take the, you know, the graphic novel comic angle on it, even with the cast like Tom Hanks, it's, it's a fine movie, just not my style. Yeah, I think it's my favorite Sam Mendes movie, uh, which is not not saying tongues. It's not like I love his movies, but th this one I like quite a bit. Um, I just finished my Tom Hanks marathon after you know doing it for a year, and I already miss him dearly. But I do think it's interesting, you know, spin for him kind of playing an anti-hero, but still you know being the person you're rooting for. But also interesting that Tom Hanks, even though we think of him as America's dad, like rarely plays a dad. It's like this in Sleepless in Seattle is the only movies where dad's the focus. Um, and I like you know this spin of his fathership. It's a little bit of what you don't expect of Tom Hanks of, you know, 1940s, tough, but like still there for him and love him. And I think he pulls it off well. And it's just an exciting movie. I like it a lot. You redeem yourself. I like you now again, Cody. You're okay. <laughs> You're okay. Okay, Cody, 95. Um, and Paul, by the way, my DC take is not a weird take. Uh, hear me talk at any point. I think DC is garbage. Um, uh, my next one is a movie. Uh, <laughs> Shocking. Um, it's the player. Um, th this movie, uh, Boatman recommended it. Um, and it's one of those that I really enjoy. It's slowly working on my list. It's not like an automatic, like jump to the jump to a high point, but the inside Hollywood, like approach and how many cameos in this thing and how dark the story truly is. And I think Tim Robbins is playing it a fantastic performance throughout this entire thing of basically having to cover up all the stuff that he knows he did wrong and the, like the messaging and the phone calls and the stuff that he has to get. I think the ending is really good. That's what like really hooked it into like making it one of my favorite movies. Um, it's just, 
it this is just like a this movie doesn't get talked about enough in this community and i think this movie plays perfectly into this community because of the like of the film and industry and everything and him uh trying to book his you know find us a, a screenwriter has a movie for him and it ends up going south uh fantastic movie um yeah uh, it's weird that you would pick a movie about movies, Cody. Usually, you, you complain a lot about those. Uh, You're right. well, this one has a plot. Is... This one has a plot. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff. I haven't seen this in a while, but it's a, it's a good movie. I love that opening scene. I just love that it's a crane shot, you know, about a crane shot, and just so many like inside things like that. Um, I love the turn it takes. You know, when he when he when he kills the guy, just it becomes like a crime, a little bit of a crime thriller there. Um, but still remains that overall story about Hollywood and trying to survive in Hollywood. Like you said, all the uh, all the cameos, all those great, you know, Robert Altman scenes of people just, you know, talking and talking over each other. Um, yeah, like I said, it's been a while since I see this. I got to rewatch it. Um, I think I only saw it the one time, um, but yeah, still a pretty solid pick. Uh, anybody else have anything to say about the player? I, I really like the player. Actually, I, I remember when it first came out, I had to like drive like an hour into Chicago to go see it in a the theater because you know it was one of those small movies that didn't really open anywhere else. But um, I, I really enjoy it. I, I kind of I was just kind of getting really into movies at the time, and kind of that whole behind the scenes of Hollywood kind of, uh, kind of not really a satire, but kind of that that style. I really enjoyed. I will say I, I'm not a fan of Robert Altman's style of direction and some of his cinematography and stuff. But um, the performances and the basic story of it and all that, I actually very much enjoyed. And especially Tim Robbins. He had a great year. In, this, in 1992, he did this and then a mockumentary called Bob Roberts, which I, I all equally loved. Those were two good movies. Yeah, I'm a pretty big Robert Altman fan. And, you know, Altman always has, you know, a pretty heavy dose of, of cyanide and all his movies. They're all pretty acidic in a way. But this one, he just, like, lumps it on, just drops the bottle. Um, it, you know, it's it's... It's spicy. He has it, he has a take. It seems like he was laying everything that happened to him, you know, in the eighties and seventies, you know, out in nineties. Really giving on, you know, giving it to Hollywood. It's almost amazing he got to make this movie that they passed this by. Um, so it's interesting just on that level. Um, but yeah, it is one of the best. You know, Tim Robbins' performance. Um, I will say I got misled to think this is an ensemble movie, but it really is a Tim Robbins piece. Um, but but for if you want a really cynical take um, on Hollywood, you know, it, you can't go wrong with the player. All right. Go give that 94. Uh, I don't think I'll be talking about it, uh, but it's uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I think that's a yeah. yeah. Thanks. All right. Okay. Then, Ethan, we're on to you for your 97. Okay. I feel like I probably won't be talking about this one either, but uh, my 97 is Saving Private Ryan. Thanks. I thought, I thought so. Uh, okay. Moving on to number 96. Uh, City of God. All right. Um, yeah, City of God is um, it's like a perfect crime film. It's the best uh, movie that Martin Scorsese never directed. Uh, it's Brazilian. It is about uh, a bunch of kids in the slums of Sao Paulo who grow up and just have like vastly different lives. Um, and it's just it's just so like grimy and energetic and like. It's it, I, it's it's so like refreshing as a crime movie. I mean, it was made in two thousand two, and like, you know, I, I mean, there's always going to be new new ways of doing different genres, but like this really just like kind of reinvented a crime movie. And um, and uh, yeah, I mean, all the characters are memorable. You know, you have like Rocket, Lil Zay, and the Chicken, 
and um, just watching these these two kids grow up and have like the craziest diverting lives. So one's like a crime lord and one's a photographer and how all these different stories intersect in this crazy city. Um, it's just like, it's so exciting to watch. Yeah, uh, City Gods, that's a good pick. Uh, like you said, it's a, it's a different crime movie. I like the fact that it just, it really focuses on what crime is like in Brazil. It's like very yeah. uniquely Brazilian. You, know, you see so many crime movies in, you know, New York, Chicago, LA, you know, they're very Americanized. They're very, you know, you see a lot, it's, it's, it gets kind of repetitive uh, with this. It's a, it's a different world. Um, it's different, you know, motivation for what they do. Um, and I'm, I'm really into that. And just, I always love when you have a, a story like this, we have two people uh, who have that close knit connection and they just go in completely opposite directions. And then they end up clashing again later on. And you know what's what's going to win out, you know, their new life or their old life. Um, so, like you say, a lot of great characters. A really well directed, just very kinetic movie. Um, so this this is one I've only seen once, and I do want to see it again because um, there is a lot there to dig into. Uh, but good pick, everybody else. So, I yeah, I watched. I, don't know, I watched um, City Gods um, some recently. It is very exciting and, and tension filled. I think. Um, what kept it from a perfect movie? That I think some of the direction choices are a little too much. Some of the you know the freeze frames and um, the use of sound. It, it, he's doing a lot. It's very maximalist film that can be distracting at times, but the plot is hyperdation. The world creation, you know, as Ethan's talking about, is is incredible. I, it gives you know time to every character. It really makes you feel part of this you know really large community. But he helps him make it feel small enough to attach to. Um, so it, it is a great movie. Um, I, it just needed toned down a little bit. Uh, so I watched City of God uh, for a debate. So I went in with the negative thing because I had to tear the movie down instead of like enjoy the movie. So I'm watching about two years. Um, uh, it's it's on my rewatch list for this year, like with a fresh take instead of trying to rip it down. So um, yeah, uh, when I saw it, it was good. It was it's hard to debate it um, because I think it's a really strong movie. I just I haven't seen it in a while. Brian, you said you hadn't seen this one? I haven't seen that one yet. No. All right. What's your next one, Nathan? All right. Uh, 95. This is uh, Gaspar Noé's Enter the Void. Any yikes on this one? No. no I thought not, Brian. <gasps> oh, this one. Maybe First of many Gaspar Noé's. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie is a nearly three-hour-long drug trip through Tokyo. I mean, it is – it's it's almost like not even a movie. I know that a lot of people, like, need a plot. They need, like – this movie starts with a character. We're from. We're in his perspective. He's a drug addict. He he dies. He gets killed, and then the rest of the movie is just him floating over Tokyo in like a hallucinogenic, like neon nightmare as he watches his sister and uh, his best friend like get into a bunch of crazy situations. And um, this movie is just like it's just such a crazy experience. And I know like a lot of people have issues with it. I mean, when you're from the main character's perspective, Gaspar Noé puts blinks in. Like the movie blinks as if you're in his eyes. There's a scene with a, I don't want to spoil it, but spoilers, turn away if you don't want to hear this, but there's a big CGI penis that ejaculates and we're like watching it happen. It's crazy. It's the craziest movie. Ever. Aaron Goni, when did you get here? <laughs> so the real Ethan is coming out. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Ethan, were you done? Yeah, 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 I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, where else is he going after the giant dick? That's where you gotta finish. finish. I don't know. I was uh, lost. Now I'm sold on this giant penis. <laughs> I'm watching this once we're done. Um, 
Ethan, you and I talked about this. I ended up not watching this movie. I'm not surprised. Um, I just I had a lot of movies to watch, and this is three hours long. I could watch two hours of the time it took to watch this. Plus, I'm very for a long time. I've been curious about this movie because I've heard a lot about a lot about how it was made, just the way it looks, the way it's shot. I want to watch this movie. I was watching the trailers. I was watching some scenes. The concept sounds really good for like hour and a half, hour forty five minutes. This concept for a three-hour movie sounds horrific. It sounds miserable. So I'm just one of these days I'm gonna watch this movie. I'll get in the headspace and I'll sit down and I'll watch the whole thing. But today was not that day. Uh, anybody else see that under the void? No, I'm one of those weird people that wants a plot. So <laughs> there is somewhat of a plot. I mean, it's just not, you know. You know even. what? You you did a good job of selling that there was a plot somewhere. Um I love that the spoiler of the movie, not how it ends or where it goes, just you just let us know that there's a dick in it. So it's I appreciate moment, you bro. telling us all that. Um, you sell movies about as good as Jake Marconi and Rosario Montenegro, so I'm a pass. I'm in good company. <laughs> God. Zach, you got anything on this one? Uh-oh. I think he unplugged his headphones. I went to unplug my mic because I thought I was making crazy noises. Um, but I unplugged like everything uh, somehow. Um, I, I um, live my life by the acronym um, WWJD. What would Jake Marangoni do? Um, and just do the opposite so I don't end up like him. Uh, so I have avoided all Gaspar Noe and giant penises um, ejaculating. Even though that sounds lovely. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's for tonight. Jake gave it four stars. So. Not high enough. Well, Jake, like four stars, me is what he gives like his mother. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ethan, go ahead, give us your next one. Okay, so my next one is uh, Night of the Living Dead, which is uh, I had actually not seen this. I had seen a bunch of the Romero Dead movies, but I hadn't seen this one until like I think last year at some point. And it is legitimately just like an incredible horror movie. It's so good. Um, it's made for like no money, but it's it's so memorable. You get he rings every like penny out of everything that he spent in this movie. Um, there's so many iconic moments, like they're coming to get you, Barbara. Um, Dwayne Jones is just like he's such a great leading man, and like historically, like the first like African American leading man in a horror movie. Like it's just it's so good. Um, George A. Romero basically brings zombies to the Western world, um, and uh, there's just so much to talk about. I mean, I. It's hard to, to pinpoint why exactly I loved it so much. It's just, it's so simple, bare bones. Like people in a house boarding it up from, from zombies. They don't know what's going on and they have to kill these zombies. And uh, yeah, it's just fantastic. And the ending is insanely relevant. And George A. Romero is a prophet, which I won't spoil if anyone hasn't seen it. But The giant penis? No, okay. not a giant penis. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, you, you know how to pan underneath and, um, this is my favorite Romero movie, uh, out of all of them, I still think this is the best. Um, it, it seems at this point kind of, uh, you know, redundant, but it's because it's, if this was the original, this invented the modern jo- uh, zombie genre. So it's been done to death, but this was the first one. Um, if you're interested in like all the ways it was made, watch the, uh, the, the commentary, there's a commentary with uh, Romero, and I think it's like the the set director, art director, and a couple other people in the cast. Um, they just talked about how cheap everything was and how they, you know, how they got everything. You know, they borrowed somebody's mom's car and wrecked it and all this stuff. It's so it's so good. Um, but yeah, 
uh, it's just such a great, like, like you said, that tension. And I just love how it starts. You know, there's one zombie and it's just on the lawn. It's like, oh, just one zombie. What's going to do? And then it just, it just, there's just more and there's more and there's more. And just, you know, going through the whole series, you end up with an entire world of zombies. Um, so I just love that it just starts with that one. Uh, yeah, plus it's Romero, it's Pittsburgh. So, of course, it's really high marks <laughs> for me. So, um, yeah, everybody else in the Living Dead. I've never seen any of the living uh, of Romero's uh, zombie movies. Uh, they've always been on my watch list. Um, I just haven't seen them. Um, so, one day. I'm largely bored by this movie. Um, yeah, yeah, Romero kind of invented the the you know Western uh, brought brought to the Western world or whatever with the zombie genre, the modern zombie genre. But uh, in the five decades since then, they've done nothing but improve upon it because he brought it into the base level, and they've you know decided to not make them slow and boring. And uh, yeah, so I, I I know that goes against everything that Kirk and Ethan stand for, but I just, I can't get into this. Um, as a Clevelander, I'm supposed to hate Pittsburgh and Romero Byer. I don't care. You're fine in my boat. Um, but Night of Living Dead is a handful of movies that I, um, I don't feel right to critique because sometimes they're victim to um, rocking, watching them in the wrong attention span. Um, my attention can vary, vary, can vary from day to day. Um, and, and I think this movie is just not what you expect. It is, you know, a slow roll. Um, it is, you know, much more commentary than, you know, every movie that came inspired by, it, which, you know, ups the thrills, um, but lessens um, the social commentary um, and, you know, the storytelling. Um, I, I think there's a lot to love about it. I do think it looks um, you know, great um, in the black and white uses. I, I just had trouble engaging myself, which is my own fault more than Romero's. I have a question, Kirk. Do yes. um, things said on, like my rule is when people say shit that pisses me off, I carry it from episode to episode and give it to the, does that affect, do we, does that happen with your show too? <laughs> Depends on about what you're about to say. No, I'm not saying anything. I'm just hoping to throw Brian in the, the blender. Oh, Brian's going to say plenty. Don't worry about it. I don't it. care what Kirk says. Yeah. I'm just here to talk about movies. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Um, so that was your 94. So now we are on to uh, back over to Brian for 97. Here's timing. Yeah, I probably should have left this one in the area that nobody can talk about. Uh, my number 97 is Rent. Uh, yeah, no yaks there. So... I've always, I'm a big sucker for musicals. I love musicals, you know, Broadway musicals, especially when they make it to the screen. And I know this one has a lot of its critics, especially people who are who are really loyal to the to the stage production. Uh, I had actually never seen the stage production before I saw this movie. I've seen it since then, but this was my first exposure to it. And I really love the music. I love the story. Uh, the, the songs in it, I think, are phenomenal. And I've watched it so many times since it came out. Um, in keeping the original, well, most of the original cast from Broadway production. It's a nice thing to have the same people, but at the same time, it then made them way too old for the roles they were playing. <laughs> so that was a, a little a little odd, but you just kind of had to look past that. And the performances in and across the board, including the, the new ones they had with Tracy Toms and Rosario Dawson, I think they both did phenomenal jobs. Um, yeah, this is just one of those musicals. I mean, there'll be a few of them on my list, but this is just one that I've, I always go back to and watch again and again. Okay, I've never seen Rent. Um, what I know about Rent is the music. I've heard a lot of the music, and I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I'm not surprised you like this because it's a musical and it's a very '90s musical. Um, so that's I know that's right up your alley. Um, but it's just something I've never 
I've I, I, I've kind of like dipped my toe and saw what it was, and I was like, uh, that's not for me. <laughs> like that's enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, anybody else on right? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Kirk. I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard the music, and I'm not I'm not a fan of it. So that's that's all I can say about Rent. Um, my only experience with Rent is uh, high school stage production um, a couple years ago that my my um, father in law really wanted to go. Supposedly, they're really good high school um, play group. Uh, um, I hate the fucking story. It is just like rich kids whining and complaining about how they can't make art so they're not accepting the money from their rich parents so they can live the struggling artist life. It's like, you can't relate to some of these, you know, the, true, the characters that you know truly are going through it are the ones that they don't focus as much on. Um, I do have some fondness for the music because my brother played it all the time when we were in high school. Um, he was really into it. Um, but but I'm never going to watch a movie, especially because it doesn't have the one thing I loved about the high school production which is like the 14-year-old tryhard freshman in the background over singing everything which is so engaging unless she's in the movie you can I, I will watch it but otherwise i'm out um no i'm with you brian i actually really enjoyed the rent overall um i actually don't really love the stage production as much as it because i think it's i think it's very artistic for the way that they set it up um but overall i love the music i actually enjoy the movie quite well so I have no problem with this being on your list. I think it's a good choice. And the theater kids that are flipping out, well, sorry. <laughs> they don't know yeah. what the 90s were, so. so. Yeah, going into this, I was a little worried that the person I'm probably on most of my side is Cody, and that's a scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, if we, if we I didn't give Kirk the reins, you could have won this. <laughs> All right. Uh, a very similar movie for me at 96 is uh, 300. Yeah. No, really. Um, no, I, I really like 300. 300 is a movie that I, I, I think it's in the years since then it's kind of been imitated and stuff. But at the time it came out, it was very unique. It was Zack Snyder was just following up. Uh, he did his version of Dawn of the Dead. And so and this is kind of the first movie where he got really stylistic. And yes, he used the slow-mo and things like that. But not nearly. It, it, here it worked. And he was kind of bringing the graphic novel to life. And actually, if you look at the graphic novel, like it's almost like a storyboard. Because those exact shots are in this movie. And it's so artistic and I like the style of it. It's so well done. But then it wasn't like when he got Zack Snyder got to overuse the stylus the stylizing everything in his later films. Um it got to be a little annoying. But in this in this instance when he was purposely trying to bring a comic movie to life and especially something, you know, it's it's very R rated. It's very uh you know it, up until then we really hadn't seen a whole lot in the terms of graphic novels kind of brought to the screen. And we'd seen, you know, comic book movies, mostly superhero movies, but this was something new. It was something unique. And I just really enjoyed the style. I really enjoyed the action. It kind of jarred Butler kind of broke onto the scene. This is kind of his first big starring role success. Um, yeah. 300. Yeah. 300. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. Um, I think this is, this is Zack Snyder's wheelhouse. This is the kind of movies he should make. Um, everything he does that doesn't work for like bright, positive, you know, superheroes works in this story. Um, and with, with this movie, with these characters and with this setting, um, I just, I mean, I loved watch. I remember seeing this in 30 for the first time and they were just throwing like way, it was like a video game, just wave after wave of like elephants and, you know, ninjas or whatever, like them just knocking them down one at a time. That was so much fun. Uh, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not a masterpiece, uh, but it's an enjoyable movie. I mean, it's great. You have it, what, mid-90s? That's a great spot for it. Uh, yeah, this movie came out when I was, like, really young, and I saw it before I should have because it was rated R and I was, like, a child. 
Um, and I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen because it's just like blood and murder and crazy. Um, and I've, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it is, I have seen parts of it and I think I saw it a couple years ago and I just, it is so cheesy and schlocky and it's a lot of fun, but like that movie is ridiculous. And I mean, they're all like standing there oiled up with their abs and they're like, they're like yelling big, you know, this is Sparta and all this stuff. I mean, it's crazy, but like, I mean, it's a fun movie. I can't, you know, I can't knock it too much, but it's not very good. Bold strategy from the man that brought up the one movie earlier. Okay, anyways, um, three hundred is the uh, who thought it's not a great movie, but Snyder actually made a movie that I can tolerate, which is a shock. Uh, that kick will still be one of my favorite movie hit moments. When I was uh, again, Brian's going to hate this because we're a lot younger than him. Um, but when I was a freshman in high school, and he kicked him in the hole. I lost my shit in the theater and we're let's go. <laughs> let's go. Pumped. We'll fight in the shades. Oh, this movie is so dumb, but it works so well for me. Uh, uh, somebody brought it up on comic book moments or whatever. And I still, I played the scene like 14 times that night. It's so good. So good choice. Um, I'm almost the same boat as them that I saw this when I was 17 in theaters when I uh, had to buy a ticket for the movie 16 Blocks instead and sneak into it because it was radar, even though I was 17 and worked on the movie theater. It's a long story why I had to sneak in. But, um, 16 uh, Blocks. But I haven't watched it since, and I, I, I know my own taste, and I don't think it's going to hold up to, as I was as a 17-year-old that just discovered um, what a movie was. Um, and I'm never going to rewatch it because um, I refused um, – further on to engage with Zack Snyder because people started calling him Z Daddy and I like to think I'm the one in true Z Daddy. So I'm not I believe it's Zaddy. I've never heard Z Daddy. Damn it. I get it right. How old are you? I guess I can go by Z Daddy then. Who why? I'm 30 uh I'll be 32 in two weeks. We can celebrate my birthday. Okay, you are slightly older. I thought we were the same age. Okay, cool. We've talked about this. You know I know. I don't Uh, Brian, can I just add one more thing? Um, yeah. I was 10 years old when this movie came out. I was five. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will say, I also, it, it's not on my top 100, but I will say, I actually really like the sequel as well. The sequel, prequel, slash sidequel, whatever you want to call it. I, I like the way they interact, but anyway. All right. Uh, uh, my number five yeah. is actually right on my shoulder here Desperado. So, Desperado. I I just love this movie. I, I had seen El Mariachi, um, but just kind of didn't think anything of it at the time. It was it was fine, whatever it was. So they made this movie, which is one of those movies that like tries to be kind of a sequel and a remake at the same time. Um, but I mean, it was just something very unique. Robert Rodriguez, this is kind of him breaking onto the set, his first you know English language film um, before he started doing all the kid shit, um, you know, with Shark Boy and Lava Girl and Spy Kids and all that, which I'm sure you children love. But uh, but Desperado, I mean, the, the action in it was just so much fun. Antonio Banderas broke out in such a big way in this. I mean, he had been in better movies before this, but kind of this is one of his more uh, first starring roles. He was fun. And Selma Hayek, I mean, come on. She's just one of the most gorgeous women alive and to, to this day. And this is kind of her introduction as well. But I mean, just the, the cast, uh, the action in it is, is fun. It, the writing in it is fun. There's there's good dialogue. There's there's it's It was just something that wasn't just kind of just like everything else that was coming out and it was fun to have something different. Yeah. Um, I really like this movie. Um, I remember seeing it when it first came out and just getting really excited just cause I mean, this was like 
back the, like in the nineties, this was John Wick. Like that just or even this is even for the Matrix. Just like all that like ridiculous over the top gunplay and yeah. just you know the battles and the and the uh, the guitar gates rocket launcher and all that stuff. Uh, just a lot of fun. Uh, plus you had like a lot of like like human like character moments. Antonio Banderas is really good in this role. You know, in his relationship with Steve Buscemi and then you know him with that little kid. Uh, just a lot of good little moments like that. I think that carries over from El Mariachi. Carry out, El Mariachi is a little more character driven, and they bring that here uh, into this movie. But there's a lot more action; just gets crazy. Um, so yeah, I think this is really good. Uh, it's not my top 100, but I can definitely see it being in a top top 100. Have no problem with that. Good pick. Everybody else on Desperado. Yeah, Desperado is awesome. I mean, I, I I'm with Brian. That movie's great. Uh, I haven't. It wasn't on my top hundred. It might have been if I had thought about it harder. Um, I love Robert Rodriguez, and that movie is like one of his best. Uh, Danny Trejo is awesome in that movie. Uh, Antonio Banderas is incredible. I mean, everyone's great in that movie. The guitar gun is is yeah, it's an awesome. It's so much fun. Everyone should watch that movie if you like action movies and watch a guy throw two grenades over a wall and then a giant explosion come out. From, oh, Banderas like, just oozes cool in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm with you, Brian. It's great. I'm so mad at myself because I was going to watch this last night. Um, I was going to watch God. both of them. Thank God. <laughs> oh, don't, watch, don't watch Once Upon a Time Mexico is horrible. It's not good. Pretend that one doesn't yeah. exist. Well, I know, but I was going to. I remember watching this when I was younger and had a, a blast with it, but I was going to watch it last night, but there was a slight chance that it would have cracked into my top 100, and I was afraid of Coho and Kirk, so I just <laughs> decided to watch things that could make my top 100. So, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I have a lot of interest in Robert Rodriguez's weird ass career. Um, Spike hits forever. Um, so I, I want to watch it at some point. Um, but I haven't gotten to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's your next one, Brian? Uh, my next movie is the movie that is going to end Club Dread because this one goes out to Scott Harvey and Andrew Barr. It's over my other shoulder. William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, as directed by Baz Luhrmann. Um, this is not a movie for everyone. Baz Luhrmann in general is not for everyone. He's really love it or hate it. I get that. I have nothing against anybody who hates his style. But for me, I love it. I'm completely on board. Um, this is a movie that took, you know, just a classic story, Romeo and Juliet. It updated it kind of to, to modern day. Uh, but they still use all the original dialogue from Shakespeare. And actually, and you think, and I could see it going really badly, but pretty much all the actors in this movie make it work. And that includes, you know, Jamie Kennedy it includes, you know, Paul Sorvino. It's got Brian Dennehy. You got, uh, well, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. I mean, there's just, it, Paul Rudd is even in there in a role. And, but the dialogue, it completely works. It's set in a modern day setting. It, it just, I liked having a new take on an old story. Cause I mean, yes, you could remake the same movie over and over again, but you want to add something new to it. And Baz Luhrmann's style is exactly, I think what, what gave this movie a kick. And it just, Squeaked into my top 100. Um, I'm a big Shakespeare fan, and I feel like I shouldn't like this movie, but I do. Like this is this is a this is a movie. <laughs> like what it comes down to is, I think if Shakespeare were around today, he would put a stamp of approval on this movie. I think this movie highlights the just the absurdity and how crazy the story is and how kind of dumb the characters are and just and just the, the energy he puts into that frenetic like just everybody screaming and you just like lately you said jamie kennedy doing shakespeare who ever would have thought of that just normal people I, and i the thing i love about shakespeare is how you can do this how you can take 
take it out of whatever city it was originally and put it somewhere else. It still works. It's universal. That's really cool about that. Um, but yeah, I like how this movie plays. I just love how I love that. Like it's, it's a real world setting, but it's like other world. You can't really tell exactly where you're at. Um, they create like that, that aura around it. Uh, yeah. I, I enjoy all the performances. Uh, most of the performances. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a good Shakespeare movie. I'm sorry. And nothing else. I think it also made Shakespeare accessible to a lot of people who yeah. otherwise wouldn't have gone to see like a, you know, a typical stuffy set in, you know, the, 1500s England or whatever, they would go see this one in a modern day setting with modern people, but they're still hearing the original dialogue. And I think a lot of people kind of got introduced to Shakespeare. Well, not introduced, but kind of maybe got more into it because of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, everybody else on uh, Romeo plus Juliet. I haven't seen it. hate Shakespeare. I'm sorry. I know people, I know he did a lot of shit. I fucking hate Shakespeare, like with a passion. Um, you can't say this. Lion King is Shakespeare. Um, Simba doesn't say any shit that I don't understand. So fuck you. <laughs> How do you know? Have you read Hamlet? Uh, <laughs> they, guess what? In the, movie, of- in the movie that plays out, <laughs> shit, Hamlet with fur works a lot better than anything flipping from Shakespeare. In my oh my god! Um, you hate Shakespeare. See a musical called Something Rotten. I'll agree with you. Um, anyway. I've I've seen that. Um, I just can't stand. Shakespeare. I just can't. I'm sorry. It's just not for me. It's not. I'm an uncultured swine. You can call me whatever you like. I'm cool with that. Not my movie. Not this one, especially. Not my movie. I didn't like this one at all. So there's only one Shakespeare that I kind of enjoyed. So it ain't this one. Which one is that? Much uh, to do King. about nothing with Denzel Washington. Because <laughs> Denzel's in it. Uh, um, I may have seen this when I was a youth. I'm like very, very concerned about my long-term memory. Uh, <laughs> like I have like glimpses that that come in, um, but I do need to check it out mainly because I need to know what the solution to this equation is. Uh, um, I'm assuming it's Romeo plus Juliet um, equals Smoochie Smoochie, um, but I, I, I'll need to figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, Barnes, the, the, the swords are guns. It's awesome. Um, okay, uh, Zach, we're coming back to you now for your 97. Hey, baby. My number is 97. This is my only chance for yikes, I think. Uh, is Princess Mononoke? Oh, damn it. Motherfuckers. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge Miyazaki fan. Um, I think um, he is tied for the most films on my top 100 with another director. Um, so uh, this one, it, it, I, I was going in, I think I, I, I pushed it back so long because I thought that this was like just this hard movie, like his almost um, bro-y edgecore version movie, which is not true at all, just because, you know, of its higher rating and, and you know, some gore aspects to it. It still has all the, the beauty that you expect with um, Miyazaki's touch. Um, I do think um, Miyazaki's, you know, love of nature and, and, you know, thematic focus on how we treat the environment here is, is hammered, you know, on the head, like he's hitting it really, really heavy, uh, but, but it still works um, because it is so sincere and, and so lovely in that touch. Um, and when you can make, you know, a, a movie that is truly beautiful, inspiring when, when a girl is, you know, sucking wolf out of a, uh, or sucking blood out of a wolf's gut, um, it, it's the magic of what Miyazaki um, can do. Um, I, I think, you know, compared to a lot of his other filmographies, some of the moments in the, in the world creation that he creates, um, and some of his be- most beautiful animation that, and inspired animation that he has done. Um, so, 
Princess Mononoke, why do you guys all hate the magic of nature and hate trees? Um, I, I've been getting into a lot of a lot of Miyazaki, a lot of Ghibli stuff. Uh, a, because my kids want to watch it, and B, because of trivia. Um, I watched this one, and I actually uh, like it. I, I, I really like the story. Um, I liked that it's just like a like a, a general like cool fantasy story. Uh, as, as a as a D D player, you never really get to see the the, the druid be like the hero, and uh, and she's definitely the druid, and it's really cool to see her like out there just kicking butt. Um, I like the animation. My my biggest problem with with Ghibli animation is how everything is always like changing shape. Nothing feels like solid or grounded. Uh, for the most part, this movie doesn't have that. Everything feels real. Uh, there's some really cool, um, you know, like bow and arrow decapitations. There's a lot of cool like uh, fighting fantasy violence. Uh, my biggest problem with this movie is the length. Um, I was reading, I had to study a bunch of Miyazaki's movies for, for a trivia match a while ago. I was reading like all the IMDb trivia and they said um, that he didn't work with the script. They said he would just start storyboarding. He'd hand off whatever he finished. The animators, they'd work on it. He'd do some more. And he never knew where the story was going. I was like, that makes so much sense because so many of his movies meander. And this movie meanders. You shave 20, 25 minutes off the runtime of this movie and it could be perfect. Uh, but this is a, um, but it's just a little too long. That ending just stretches on and it kind of, I get bored at the end. Um, but otherwise, it's a really good movie. And I'm sorry, Ethan, I didn't want to spoil it during the match, but it's Zach's the reason why I knew it was a bore. So <laughs> I apologize to you and Scott. It's Zach's fault. What's everybody else say bad. about uh, Mononoke? Uh, I haven't seen it, but I do want uh, Redshaw to get some love for that joke because it took me a second, but it was a fantastic joke. And that's all I have to say. Anybody else? My thoughts on Studio Ghibli are well known. There's no reason for me to talk here. Uh, Brooklyn Vale um, has seen a total of 17 movies, I think. Um, And I think some of them are Ghibli. Played them in a match and they used it against us as a strength. When you have to study something for a strength against somebody that you haven't seen before, it ruins what could be good. And that's what happened for me. Um, I didn't get to this movie. So it's on my poster for this year to watch. Um, but I haven't got to it yet. But I'm trying to get away from, you know, studying it for trivia. Yeah, I also definitely want to watch it at some point. Have it. Yeah, I hear great things about it. So, All right, uh, Zach, give us your next one. Yeah, my number 96 is the Western Rio Bravo. Um, I feel like I'm a Western guy. This is like a new discovery I'm making. Um, I think especially the Hangout vibe kind of Western, which I think this really is. Um, it's watching, um, I'm going to mess up some of the names, um, but John Wayne, Dean Martin, and um, what's, his, what's his face? Um, old guy that won a bunch of Oscars for making weird voices and stuttering. Um, it's just like a lovely, you know, chemistry that they have hanging out in the prison, um, prison cell, waiting for um, the the this gang to come free um, one of their members. Um, this is, you know, the basis of what I saw in precinct seventeen or thirteen. It pre- saw in precinct one hundred twelve, whatever it is. Um, uh, but that was made on. Um, I think it's just a great premise. Um, just a great way to, you know, build tension um, because you know what's going to come by the end of the film. Um, but primarily, I think Dean Martin is just 
completely uh, like a dramatic performer that I didn't expect. Um, he, he really, he's playing this kind of washed up drunk, almost what like Gene Wilder's character is parodying and um, plays in saddles um, is what Dean Martin is, is doing with, I think, a lot of sincerity. It, it really brings the gravitas to this movie. Um, I think he actually outshines John Wayne. Um, but but it's, a, it's an exciting Western, but also it's just like fun. Like you feel like you're friends with these guys, which I don't know if I feel um, in a lot of other Westerns. Um, they also, you know, sing a great song. Dean Martin does get to sing. Um, and what's his face? I, I, I should probably look up cast. Ricky Barton? Western. Or not, not Ricky Martin. Yeah. Uh... yeah. Ricky Nelson. Ricky go. Nelson, yeah. Uh, Ricky yeah, Ricky, <laughs> Ricky Nelson and Dean Martin get you know get to sing a Dean song Martin. that is it's like a very lovely pause of a musical scene um, that makes you feel like you're watching your friends just like hang out, drink, and you know share a song. Um, I did get to see some theaters, which I think adds a lot to it. Um, it's a it's a lovely experience to share with a lot of other people because it's just a truly fun movie. And my wife hates classics. Went to this with me. Um, it's like maybe I was wrong. She's like, I for some reason I really felt this. I think it can be engaging for modern audiences as well. Yeah, this is a solid Western. Um, I agree with you. I think Dean Martin's the highlight. He plays a great drunk, but I mean, here's my plan of philosophy. It's a kind of serious role, and he's really good at it. Just his character arc is 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 really uh, – that's the highlight of the movie to me. I also enjoy just him and John Wayne together, uh, just two very different personalities, two different styles. Uh, watching them work together was neat. Uh, yeah, Paul's right. Uh, Angie Dickinson's really good in this too. Um, I, th I think there's, I mean, it's good. I think there are a lot better Western out there. Um, I don't know what the, you know, maybe there's more Westerns on your list, but uh, there, there's other ones I would have picked. Um, but there's nothing wrong with this one, especially, you know, down in the in the 90s. Uh, everybody else on, uh, on Rio Bravo. I haven't seen I, it, but uh, it looks really good and I would like to watch it. Sorry, go ahead, Cody. No, you're totally fine. Um, so I enjoy a lot of Westerns. The problem with Westerns, I don't always know which one to start with or which one to go to or which one to like see or which one's not three and a half hours. So it's always like this hard, like trying to find the one that I want to see. This has been on my watch list for a while. I just haven't got to it yet. I have not seen it. All right. Okay. What do you got next for us, Zach? All right. My number 95 is oh, no one else. Uh, Harold and Maude. Um, Harold and Maude, I actually uh, just watched, I think, in January or February for the first time. But this is like every now and then you come across a movie that you've always knew was going to be one of your favorites and always knew it was right up your alley. Um, and just for some reason, haven't gotten to, and it's exactly everything I expected to. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm a huge, you know, Wes Anderson fan and Noah Baumbach fan, and I think there's a, a lot of inspiration, um, especially to Wes Anderson. I think comes from um, Harold and Maude, uh, the combination of, you know, deadpan, um, dark humor throughout this film, it, you know, and some real sense of melancholy that comes to, you know, Bedcourt, um, Court's character. I do think I'm going to look up the names, and I'm just going to fill up time why I. Say Say this um but the uh, <laughs> the mom in the movie that plays bud court's mom who is the actress is vivian pickles great name how did i forget that the mom in rugrats vivian pickles um it is honestly one of the best comedic performances and i don't know how she did not become this huge star um the, you know the throughout the movie um uh, bud court's character harold i almost did not know the character name it's in the fucking title this is how bad i am with character names um he is faking suicides, which, you know, doesn't fully work in 2021 when we have a bigger um, idea of how to handle mental health. But I, but you can kind of forgive for time. And I think it still works into the story um, well enough. But he's faking a bunch of suicides. Um, 
in front of his mom, kind of for attention, kind of as a rejection of, of the lifestyle. But the the deadpan she takes all this, like she's this is like the two hundredth time she had to watch him go through this. It's just um so funny. And and somehow she still like feels a connection and love for this kid that's so disconnected from her. Um and there's a scene where she's trying to fill out a dating profile that's almost like online dating but i don't know how they do it's like mail it in i don't understand the 70s um but filling it in and she just like gets so engaged with the fame profile that she starts answering everything herself and gets so excitable um and and kind of creates this picture of what she thinks her son is um it, it is just a comedic masterpiece of a moment and a performance um i think this is one hour we you know i just watched it once because it was recent but i i feel like i can return this forever this is some real zach core and they'll be higher up as i go through yeah yeah, um, I like this movie. I hadn't seen it in a long time. But I just rewatched it recently. It's it's really good. I, I just love that like late sixties, early seventies movies about uh, people who just don't fit in and are trying to looking for their place. And I think this might be one of the most pure versions of that story. Uh, yeah, just the, the, again, like someone attempting multiple suicides or faking suicides shouldn't be funny. But I mean, it just the, the the scene where the girl comes in for the date to meet him and his mom and he just walks out of the room and they're sitting there talking, you look out the window, next thing he just sits down and sets himself on fire. Um, it's, and it, he, it's not really him, but he, it makes it look like he sets himself on fire. It's just hilarious. Just the, the everybody's reactions to it. And yeah, the mom is just gives such a great, she's such a great straight man. Uh, and just the two of them, that scene where she's filling out the form just a disconnect between the two of them. You know, they're just in completely different worlds. Um, what's her name? Uh, Ruth Gordon, who plays Maude, is really good. Uh, you know, I was watching, it's like, oh, she's the original uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl, and she's like 80 <laughs> years old. Um, but she, but she, Manic she's a dream woman. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, she, but she's just so good, like so sincere uh, in her character, and that relationship is just, is just so neat uh, to watch. Uh, so, yeah, I really like this movie. Everybody else? I really enjoyed this movie. The uh, I watched it the one time. Uh, I was told that I maybe wouldn't like it, um, just because you know I hate movies sometimes. Uh, but this one works really well. Like the the odd pairing between them, the the basically just like the dark, super dark humor in this movie just really worked with me. It's not a super long runtime. It was like. I think the dynamic between the two characters is really strong and I'm with you with the mom. I think, I think they play perfectly together. Um, and I was going to bring up the scene where, yeah, he lights himself on fire because uh, I, I left way too hard with that scene, like way too hard. So yeah, I would suggest that for anybody. It's really good. I think it was on prime for a long time. Yeah. I also love this movie. I mean, I think it's, it's hilarious. It's really dark. Um, I mean, you guys already touched on it, but just watching Harold, like all these ways he like pretends to kill himself is, is, it's just so much fun. Um, and it also has a great, uh, cat Stevens soundtrack, um, yeah. uh, which is really fun. And yeah, I mean, they're Harold and Mott are great characters. They have great chemistry. Like you guys said, I, I just, yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. It's a great movie. Um, I will shockingly be the odd man out here. Uh, for, for decades, I heard everyone telling me how this is so funny and I need to see this movie. I finally watched it about five years ago and I was just, really unimpressed by it now maybe that was because we've been built up over the years so much i don't know maybe it's just because that 60s 70s most comedies i'm not into that kind of that whole era of movie i didn't like very much with a few exceptions um but yeah i was not a fan all right okay that That's was fun. your <laughs> uh 94 zach yeah my 94 uh 
um, is Billy Elliot, my best bud. Oh, guy, I wish I had a bunch of Billy Elliot's in my class. Otherwise, I just, they don't compare. Um, I see ballet dancers. Um, so Billy Elliot, um, Stephen Daudry's 2000 um, film about a kid who wants just wants to dance ballet, even though he grows up in, um, you know, a poor area, a coal mine area of northern England. Um, that and they have their kind of classic sense of what masculinity is um 2000 a huge you know movie year for me uh maybe it's because i was 11 and discovered that there was movies that weren't animated at that time um but this is one i i had I didn't see as a kid um but i think that jamie bell is one of the I, this is my favorite kid performance of all time i think the physicality that jamie bell is able to give as billy elliott um it is one real like sincerely kiddish like he is just a true kid he's not pretentious even though he's a you know gifted dancer but it's it's in a way it's just this you know energy that and emotion that has to come out you know i see this every day as a seventh grade teacher is that some kids just like shake with energy and need to have some form of physical catharsis to let it out and when he you know dances in the street um a, a few scenes anytime it's not a graceful ballet it's just like a complete reveal of emotion um which is just really kid-like it's just like he can't control the urge of his body to move and react to everything happening in a physical way um, and and I thought that was just so, uh, you know, truly discovered by by Bell's performance. Uh, but also, I'm just a sucker for poor Irish and English movies. I think there will be a theme running throughout this. I don't, I don't know what it's about. I am from a family, uh, a long history of coal miners, um, but not in England, but in, you know, southern Ohio and um, Kentucky. Um, then maybe there's some relation to that. I feel blue collar, you know, blood um, rolling through me. That there's some relationship overseas that I have to these characters and. A lot of my friends in the community know that I have like a really weird thing for Julie Walters. Um, like, if my if she came around, my wife might be jealous. Julie Walters gonna be around. I was like, yeah, you have dinner with Julie Walters. This is really nice, Mrs. Weasley. Let's let's go let's go have some fun. Um, she, I, I don't know. It's her attitude, her delivery. And she's she's fucking delightful. And she's great in this movie, and I think it's what created that you know persona that I really fall for. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like this one, um, Billy. I watched this. It's it's a movie that starts out kind of slow for me. Uh, when it started, I was like, you know, it's just gonna be one of these movies where it's fish out of water and he's you know learning to do something else. And, but it it, it kind of grew on me after that. Um, like second half, it really starts to heat up once he starts like getting to the school and everything. And you know, you see the relationship with his family, how his family changes. Um, I love the dad. Um, I'm of the age now where I always identify as a dad character, uh, and I just really love his arc and the, and the brothers. It starts out where they're they're on strike and they can't break the the, the picket line no matter what, and then his dad finally does it because he needs money to send to the school. Um, I just really love that 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 whole character that that whole storyline. Um, I love the ending. It's such a strong ending, and uh, just just really makes you, makes you feel good. Uh, so yeah, again, it's it's not a movie. It's not my kind of movie. This is the movie I would sit down and choose to watch. Um, but I'm glad I did watch it. It was pretty good. Uh, everybody else in Billy Elliot. I just watched this movie this week. Um, I'm doing a walk through 2000s movies right now, and um, Cameron Holtzman suggested, uh, yeah, it's possible. Uh, uh, Cameron Holtzman suggested I watch this movie, um, and. Was it an instant classic for me? No, but overall, I think the story. So, as I become a dad and have that kind of, it totally changed with me. Movies that probably wouldn't have worked like 
you know, a couple years ago now really work. Um, but like this, the relationship with between the dad and Billy is just so powerful in this movie where he's like pulling him out of dance class and you're like, you're not a fucking ballerina. You're going to do this. And like, it even has some comedy moments in it too. Like the grandma was like, I could have been a ballet dancer. And he's just so pissed. He's like, shut up. Uh, but like at the end when he like, when the dad runs in and it's like, he fucking made it. Like he did it. Like he was, he did the total turn. It's one of those cool moments. And why he sits in the crowd and sees that ending. It's just, it's a heartwarming movie. I, um, it probably will go up on rewatches. I think it's just, I think it's super strong. So I, yeah, good choice. I haven't seen it, but I really like Jamie bell. So at some point I will probably watch this movie. I I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but I have seen. It and I remember enjoying it. It's, it's it's a very sweet little movie. And Jamie Bell, I'm kind of glad just kind of throws Tim on the scene because he's one of those actors who I actually really like in everything he pops in. And even if it's shit like Fan Stick, he's usually still good at it. It's not his fault. But uh, but I, I like him as an actor. Um, I, I this I seem to be you know saying this a lot, but if you enjoy musicals, I would also recommend checking out Billy Elliot the Musical, which is actually very fun. That's available to watch, I think, some places online, including an appearance by a very young Tom Holland in his lead role uh, in a couple of clips of it. But uh, but yeah, this movie, I don't remember the specifics of it a lot, but I do remember enjoying it. Okay, that brings us to the bottom three, or the top three, I guess, for this bottom part of your list. Uh, so we're going to wrap back around. Uh, okay, let's do your 93. Yeah, so um, I had to make, I had to like, edit myself down because a lot of this movie could be like Disney oriented because Disney is a huge part of my life. And even more now, now that I have kids, um, there's movies that I thought were okay that are absolute horseshit now because of how many times my kids asked to watch it. Uh, Frozen uh, dead to me. Um, but this one is uh, Aladdin. Um, I always take like the big. Thanks. Okay. Safe. All right. Audie, if you're 93. Okay, my 93 is uh, my favorite Hitchcock film, Rope. Nope. All right. Uh, yeah, Rope is uh, fantastic. It is, like, uh, the first time I saw it, I was shocked that a movie that came out in the 40s directed by Alfred Hitchcock was such, like, a, a funny, dark comedy and one that, like, really went to dark places that you wouldn't expect. Like, these two guys who are just these, like, rich New York City socialites who they murder their friend just because they can and just because they want to see if they could get away with it. Um, and the whole film... I don't know if it's the first that did this, but it's one of the first movies that ever attempted to tell the whole story as if it was one shot. Obviously, because it was an early film like that, there's some really obvious cuts, like... Hitchcock will like zoom in on someone's back and then zoom out and it's like oh I wonder why you did that for like no reason other than to hide a cut um, but it's it is really well done and you just you, you sit through this this dinner party where there's a body hidden under a table that's being served food on top or whatever and uh, these two characters Brandon and I don't remember what the other name is Philip maybe but Brandon is such a great character he's such a great villain he he's such a you hate him but you also like you're just so entertained by him and Jimmy Stewart's like slowly slowly figuring out what their their plan is because they're not as smart as they think they are and they think they're so much better than everyone there and it's just like so tense it's funny it's clever and it's like way ahead of its time uh i love rope this is my second favorite hitchcock 
uh, yeah, I love the way it's shot, and you know, basically it was just because you know it wasn't because he couldn't do the whole movie. It was uh, you know he wasn't capable of it. It just you know, they 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 ran to the they went to the film film ran out, and they had to put another uh, another thing of film in. Uh, that and they have those little tricks there, but still, I just love I I, I love one shot stuff, one take yeah. stuff. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. I really like the way they do that here. And yeah, the story is just really tense. How they're almost always almost being caught, and I love that. Jimmy Stewart is these guys. They never. I don't think they ever come out and say it. But basically, like Jimmy Stewart's like the, is their teacher. He's their mentor, and they they committed this murder to kind of impress him. And like you know, they're all so they're kind of like baiting him the whole time. Like you know, they they want it. They 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 want to keep it secret. They want to get with it, but they also want him to know that they did it. And just that tension of that, and then Jimmy Stewart eventually having to realize that like stuff he said in theory. Uh, kind of irresponsibly about human life and human value, human life. These guys took seriously, and you know he's responsible for this now. Um, so I just, I just love that. It's, it's, it's a great movie. Like I said, it's my my second favorite Hitchcock. I think it's a great pick. Uh, everybody else on rope. I am generally not a fan of Hitchcock. Um, I know that's blasphemy around here, um, but like every few years, I, I go and try and watch a couple of them I haven't seen. Just think, well, maybe these will be the ones I like. Maybe these will be the ones I like, and I'll watch you know four or five movies, and I'll be like, nope, I'm done with Hitchcock for a while. Uh, Rope is one of the few that actually I really enjoyed. Um, this is one that stood out to me. Uh, I, I did enjoy the style of it. Like you said, it's it's you know they obviously they did not do it all in one take, but I kind of like the style. Even just even just do it doing the thing where they're telling it in real time. I really enjoy that as well. So, but the performances and the story of it, I thought it was it was clever. There was kind of a biting humor to it as well. Um, so this is one of the few Hitchcocks that I could get into. Um, same rope is your favorite Hitchcock movie. It's just and it, that's the most insane take so far that on this early show of ours. Uh, I I don't like rope. I I, I think it just kind of runs circles for a while. Um, I, I I think they're they're doing a lot with a little material, and I, I just get quite a bit bored by it. Um, but also, uh, I know Paul is like acting like Farley Granger is this great actor. Farley Granger is the Patrick Wilson of the 1940s um, with his, you know, plastic, punchable face, um, and, and where he like doesn't actually know what it is to be human. He just learned how to act like he is a human. I'm pretty sure he's from a different planet. I'm um, really like he, he's a he's a thing that it's hard for me to get past the changes on train as well. Um, it, it doesn't. It doesn't work for me. I think maybe that's a barrier I ha I, I have for it. Um, so maybe I need to give rope a second try. But the first time, I, I, I just felt like I got it ten minutes in, and then they added, you know, another hour and a half. Wow, um, pretentious man in the corner. I'll back you up. Uh, this is my favorite Hitchcock, um, and I don't think it's close. Uh, the second one was somebody introduced on their past top 100 um, that I, I actually enjoyed both of the films. Um, I've, I'm kind of like Brian. I don't enjoy a lot of Hitchcock. I'm getting, I'm trying to watch more um, as it goes on, but this was the one that no one really talks about. Like no one talks about. Mm -hmm. And it was probably the most of uh, the King of suspense or whatever they like to, title Hitchcock this one it was the most suspenseful like the entire time like I was on pins and needles I knew what was going to happen I you can it plays out in the first 10 minutes but the the dinner scene and the getting angry and like the covering it up and 
Jimmy Stewart comes back into the apartment and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> and he starts walking towards the thing and the music claims. I think it's great. I rope was, I, I, everybody's used this bullshit on me for like 80 episodes of the show. It was close on my list. It was barely cut from my list. It was on there at one point. It was off. I just need to rewatch it again. But he says it runs for, it's an hour and 20 minutes. It's so short. It's so it short. It doesn't run in circles. Flies. Yeah, there's not even a time for a circle. It gets halfway through and the movie's over. So, yeah, great choice. I really wish I would have put it on there, but I'm glad that you did so we could at least talk about it. So I think it's the most accessible, honestly, of Hitchcock's movies, to be honest. All right. Uh, Brian, let's do your 93. Uh, My 93 is a movie that people have heard me talk about around here before, and that is Murder by Death. Uh, Murder by Death, uh, Neil Simon wrote this movie. it's okay for anyone who hasn't seen it i'm only gonna use the comparison once uh you know clue it's essentially the same thing it's a murder mystery whodunit thriller with all these different kind of characters uh that's where the comparison ends and i will not i'm not going to compare anymore to clue because that's just an inferior knockoff but anyway um this is a movie that kind of put together it's 1975 i want to say it put together kind of a who's who 76 it put together kind of a who's who of comedy at the time um it had all these different characters in it. It was bringing in spoofs of characters like uh, uh, Sam Spade of Nick and Norton Charles from the Thin Man series, of uh, Miss Marple from the Agatha Christie movies, Hercule Poirot. Um, it took all these people and brought them to this, uh, d- this dinner where someone shows up dead and they're all trying to solve the crime. Um, it's got Alec Guinness in it in a very comedic role. One year before Star Wars, he plays this blind butler, and then you have the, the deaf maid and their whole interaction. Um, this is a movie that, again, I think it's a thing with 70s comics, would not get made today. There are a lot of things in it that people would not enjoy. One of the main ones being Peter Sellers plays uh, uh, a parody, basically, of uh, Charlie Chan. So we got him dressed up as an Asian guy using the Asian voice. Now, he's not, it's not a overt, like, just mocking Chinese people the way kind of like Breakfast at Tiffany's Mickey Rooney is. He was mocking specific character in, in the Charlie Chan movies, but still it wouldn't get made today because people wouldn't stand for that. But anyway, I just think that I really enjoy the humor in this. I think that there's all the different characters and all these different actors um, who, you know, generally speaking, uh, there's a lot of them. Like I said, I'm not into that 70s kind of comedy for the most part, but they all worked in this. And I think a lot of it's due to Neil Simon's script. It's just, it's very, very funny. Yeah, uh, I really like this movie. Um, and yeah, you can't talk about it. I mean, there's a lot of cringy stuff in this movie. And you know, you, yeah. Uh, but you know, beyond that, this is a very funny movie. Uh, it's so much better than Clue, so much better than Clue. Everything Clue about fact. this movie. Yep, Brian, Brian and Kirk. Um, it's 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 everything Clue got wrong. This movie got right. I just love the fact that it's all these. Um, it's uh, like you said, it's like parodies of all these like famous twentieth uh, century. Uh, uh, detective characters and they all come together. It's like, it's like, it's like an all-star game of, of detectives. They're all kind of like outdo each other. Um, you know, it's uh, Elsa Lanchester's great in this as the, as the Miss Marvel character. And um, it just, just the whole cast, David Niven's really good. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. I really like this movie. I haven't Everybody seen else? it and I don't know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is like a who's who of casts like when you look through it like that's insane i will not take this fucking clue bash like that's just rude we're just we don't need to talk about that okay clue is great um but 
Uh, I'm so intrigued to watching this. I understand things were probably at the time not great, but you know what? I will go, probably go back and still watch it. Um, but uh, yeah, Peter Sellers, uh, they're yeah, Alec Guinness. The list goes on and on. It's kind of it's kind of a who's who. So I want to check it out and see, and then I'll compare them between Clue and that. Yeah, I did a '76 marathon. I feel like this was like the movie that just missed my cut. Like I just decided to move on from it and didn't watch. I, I feel like it's really up my alley, and I, I feel like I enjoy it. But it has came up in a different trivia thing I do, um, the bar trivia thing I do, like eight times since. So I regret every decision I make, like I do with every decision I made in life. Um, but one day I'll watch it. I'm sure I like it. All right, uh, Zach, give us your '93. Um, so. You take this, you know, boring uh, cardboard thing called called a box, and you cut a hole in it, and you put this cute ass troll inside, and you get a fucking box troll. <laughs> uh, this is like a real one of my first real Zach takes uh, on this show. Uh, I have a real thing for like weird ass kid movies um, and dark, um, you know, kid fantasy movies. Um, but I, 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 maybe I'm like treating this movie unfairly positive because there's like the title sold me alone. I was like, it's a troll in a box. 10 out of 10, baby. <laughs> uh, um, but like, they are like very adorably created. Uh, and then you put it in this, you know, Victorian, um, like Dickens, or not Victorian, but um, Dickensian, you know, society in England, which I think, like a studios, um, it works perfectly for like their, their tone and, um, animation style is perfectly for that perfect for the atmosphere um and i'm just all for it um you and you have a voice cast especially with ben kingsley who elongates every vowel on throughout this movie the most in, entertaining um way he's like you're wrong mr pickles it's just delightful um you have some inspiring casting choices they're chasing morgan <laughs> playing this like short uh like chaotic wild card of, of a guy just getting like one word at a time um, that is, is is very delightful and and you know it's thematically is great for kids it's just like about you know thinking that you're not just a box troll you can amount to more than just being a troll in a box you can you know fit in society and be loved and not be scared of things you understand like a common theme in kids movies um it all works um and then you have like this weird cheese gag that goes you know throughout this movie it has some like weird body horror elements as you know the snatcher by ben Kingsley is you know allergic to cheese but so badly wants to be respected um in society and that society is all about love and cheese so he eats it anyways and he and his body swells up and um the movie ends with you know a body horror explosion that could be scary for kids i did watch this with my two-year-old son he doesn't know what's happening um but the body horror explosion still seemed to unsettle him a little bit and he seemed like, hey, that troll is green and cute. And I liked it. Um, so I like it as well. Fucking box trolls. It's great. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to watch this and I couldn't find it free anywhere. And that was going to be my excuse. But then I found it on YouTube. So I, I had to watch it. And I'm really mad because I hate this movie. <laughs> this animation is so ugly. It makes my stomach turn. It looks like. <laughs> It looks like a California Raisins commercial from 1987. It's just, it's so bad. Like some of the wide stuff looks good. Like the, like the scene in the dance hall is good. And that big robot deal looks cool. But as soon as you get close to the characters, 
like you within like 10 feet of them i want to vomit they're all disgusting i know they're supposed to be ugly but that doesn't mean to make them any harder to look to look at including the box drills you call them cute they're horrific looking um the whole thing just makes me just it, i was ill the whole time watching this uh but they're like a movies i watched they're like a movies that look good this is not one of them oh my god um i feel like kind of just ill just thinking about the way that what these what the stuff look like um and the, and the story was i mean like you said it was a, it was a generic kids movie plot and lesson um there's really nothing groundbreaking about anything there um yeah ultimate's terrible i'm sorry um but yeah uh, i really did not enjoy this one uh anybody else this is the only like a movie I haven't seen, and I don't know why. It looks like something I would enjoy, and I really want to watch it. And after Kirk's review, I probably want to watch it more. So I'll, I'll watch it soon, Zach. Yeah. You can revise the word body horror, which speaks to Ethan. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I have seen all the like a movies, and I actually love all the like a movies for the most part. This is not one of them. This is by far their weakest film. Uh, Joseph said this is the first one he saw. Do not judge them by this movie. It is so much worse than the rest of their films. It's not horrible. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's nowhere up to the level that other films. I mean, this came out after Paranorman, which I will agree, Paranorman also kind of has ugly characters. not a fan of the character design, but it has a great story to it, and I really enjoy that. And then after this, they made uh, uh, Kubo, which I think is just one of, it's probably their best film. Yeah. Um, so don't judge Lake it by this, but this, for me, is by far their weakest film. Two things. Coho dissed Murder by Death or whatever that movie was, and he has never even logged it or seen it, so you can't say shit about it. Second thing, um, I started the theater in 2014, and this is one of the movies that I sat down. I was like, free movies? Let's fucking go. 30 minutes, I got up and walked out and said, listen, free does not mean it's worth your time. So I left. Hell no. This movie got me out of there fast. <laughs> You're right. It, it's literally a lot. It's a train wreck. And every time we scroll past it on uh, some people's voodoos that own it, uh, my kids go, "What's that? Nothing. Nothing. Can't watch it yet. You have to be. You have to be eighteen to watch that film." <laughs> Same thing with Tom and Jerry. It's a good time. I'm still going with that one. All right. Uh, that brings us to your ninety-two. Oh, my ninety-two. Okay, my ninety-two is a really powerful movie that I really enjoy. It's very hard to watch uh, for me, but it's uh, Mississippi Burning. Um, Mississippi Burning is... Um, I I find myself like in that uh, like civil rights kind of area of movies that I find really just fascinating because it's one of the most confusing times in like American history is that we were still that blinded and stupid back then that we we're that racist um, and hasn't really got a lot better. But um, uh, this one is just, there's so many great performances. It's such a hard hitting story um, because they do not like hide away from like how bold this uh, in Mississippi it was at the time, even when the people are trying to defend it and clear it up and like, get the stuff figured out. Um, yeah, it's, I think Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe give fantastic performances throughout this movie. Um, yeah, it's not an easy watch. Um, and I, I battled with putting it on my list because of that, of the rewatchability and stuff like that. But like with Frances McDormand and like even her standing up against her husband that is in charge of like uh, a part of the clan and doing this stuff. Um, it's just it's a super strong movie. Uh, I recommend watching it, uh, but again, it's it is definitely not for everybody. 
Uh, yeah, I just watched this, and yeah, it is hard to watch, but it's it's so well done. Uh, that opening shot of the two fountains, um, it's so simple, but it just yeah. it, it's it tells you so much about what's, what's what's about to happen, and just going from that and fading into the church burning, um, it's just so powerful. Uh, Hackman is great in this. Uh, it's a perfect Hackman role. Where yeah. he just you know he, you start out you think he's just some dumb bumpkin and it turns out he's kind of the smartest guy in the room, um, and you know him going up against a foe and just the, the the that clash there of you know and again it seems like the is the one that really cares and Hackman just seems like he's like eh and then you find out he's he's been working it the whole time um, he's 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 so good uh, and yeah it's 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 so hard to watch just to think watch that and see like uh, you know. People who experienced that are still alive today. This wasn't 100 years ago or 500 years ago. This was like very recent. And I'm seeing it like in, but seeing that like in a modern movie, like in color, I think helps like make that more real. When you see like a newsreel or something, it looks like, oh, that was a long time ago. Like, no, that was, that just happened. And um, yeah, so it, it, it is hard to watch. It's hard to say like, oh, it's, you know, one of my favorite movies because of, it's like a Schindler's List kind of thing, um, yeah. where you know it's more about what it's about than it is you know the actual good movie. But it is, uh, it is, it's 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 great. It's a good pick. Everybody else. That's why it's that's name. why it's lower on my yeah. list. I couldn't yeah. put it high. Definitely. Everybody else. I haven't seen it, but it sounds like a great movie and like a really important movie. So I will have to watch it at some point. I just finally watched this movie a, a couple of years ago. Um, I, I don't get into a lot of uh, like the uh, you know deep emotional dramas and things like this, especially in, in difficult subjects. Just because most times when I'm going to watch a movie, I try and watch something that you know I'll enjoy myself at. Um, these kind of movies, I can really respect them, and they're well made and they're good stories. But I rarely watch these things more than once. So yeah, I saw this movie and I, I liked it. I thought it was very well done. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Okay. All right. Uh, Ethan, let's do your 92. All right. Uh, I think we're not going to be doing my 92 because my 92 is The Matrix. No yikes. Give Brian Brian a second. No. Okay. Okay. Shocking. All right. I thought Brian might be yikesing me, but all right. Uh, Yeah. I think this almost made my cut. I think it was close. Yeah, I'm sure. But uh, I mean, okay. Yeah, then I will. I will talk about The Matrix. I mean, this movie is like a perfect uh, sci-fi action movie it's 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 awesome it's there's a reason that this movie's been as popular as it is for so long because you know i mean it's it's very painfully 90s um when you rewatch it even though it was like on the cusp of like the 2000s but um it's really i mean the action is revolutionary the wachowski's like knocked it out of the park um keanu reeves it's just he's got so many beautiful periods of of acting and this entered the the action star Keanu, which is a gift to us. And and and, and uh, since I mean Keanu uh, saying like I know kung fu, and then um, you know the Oracle scene, uh, he is the one. Him stopping the bullets, like he's beginning to believe. Like there's so many moments in that movie that are just so cool. I mean. Agent Smith, uh, Hugo Weaving is—he's like one of the best villains of all time. It's—it does the movie does a fantastic job of really making you fear the agents and think that they are just like these terrifying things that if you encounter, you will lose, you will die. So it makes that moment like so triumphant when Neo realizes like they're just like code and he could just like manipulate it. Um, the whole helicopter sequence, like it's—it's it's just incredible. It's an awesome movie. Yeah, uh, I relate to Matrix. Matrix. There's, There's a lot about it where I, 
I have a lot of baggage with it. Like it's it's unfair, but you know, first of all, it's just been so like copied and parodied that it kind of like watered down everything they did, even though it was original. Like I said, that's not fair. Um, secondly, the sequels have it's hard so hard for me to separate the sequels from the original. It's like the the, the sequels are so bad they make the original worse for me. Um, and again, not fair, but I can't separate them in my mind. Um, but yeah, the originals. I just that moment. Like I remember seeing this movie for the first time, and that moment we you're like, "What's going on?" It's the beginning of the first act. You're like, "What's happening? What's what was all this about?" And then when he wakes up in that in that in that tub, and you realize what's happening, that was one of the most mind blowing moments I've ever had in a movie theater. Like that was just I'd never seen anything like that before. Um, and it was just so like original, so pure, and so real. And I and I love that about that. And I love that first act too. You go back and watch it; just it's just really well done. And just the way they build the mystery, and you know, when you first see Trinity and doing all that stuff, you're like, "What's going on?" And then you know how they're calling him Copper Top, and how that comes back. Um, so yeah, it's a really. I mean, other than the action, it's just a really great. It's a it's a great story. It's a really well structured movie. Um, so yeah, uh, again, my criticisms above it, I, I admit, are not fair. And it's a great movie. So um, everybody else on on the Matrix. I'm totally right there with Kirk because I I really enjoyed the movie, especially when it first came out. I loved this movie and saw it so many times in theaters, and um, it, I, and I still like the movie to this day. But it, I, again, I try to judge each movie on its own. But I but even on a subconscious level, like the sequels have really dragged kind of dragged down in my in my mind. But also when you go back and look at, it, I mean, at the time you're like, this is a great soundtrack and these are great special effects. And you go look at it now and you're like okay the soundtrack is very 90s and the special effects are kind of 90s and and especially like like that like the main one being that uh the big uh, uh lobby scene action scene which is basically music video you got that techno music playing and it's today it's a little bit silly i mean at the time we were super impressed with awesome. some special effects and things and it's still fun um i still enjoy the movie and i still rate it very highly it just it just didn't quite make my top 100 it didn't quite stand the test of time for me so I was uh, 10 when it came out and my brother rented it and I, I watched it for 10 minutes and I was like, I haven't learned algebra yet. I have no idea any word that they were saying and, and gave in pretty quickly. Um, but I watched it recently. I tried to do a thing with some friends in the community where we watch our biggest blind spots and that thing was just a huge failure and no one does it and fall through. So, but did get me to watch uh, The Matrix. Uh, for the first time, it fucking rules. <laughs> Matrix does. I, I was really into it, and I'm not an action person. There's a very minimal amount of action movies on here because it's just not how I respond to movies. I'm um, like everyone's fallen for Kong versus Godzilla because it's fight school. I'm like I just watched you know graphics fall in the buildings. So I don't care. Um, so I, I just don't respond um, viscerally in that way. I, I but I still think the Matrix um, goes beyond that because thematically it, it's so functional in stories it the plot wise is so interesting and engaging uh, um to make me follow along with it and it makes the action you know matter in a way sometimes the action just doesn't matter to the plot and it, and it does i um, mean i think because it is so influential i was able to appreciate it you know from a um you know a film fan's state of mind as well so it's great Speaking of blind sides, uh, yeah, I've never seen this. I've never seen any of them. Wow. They're on. My, they're on my poster what? this year. Uh, I just have never gotten to them. I know a lot about these movies. Again, they've just been. They've followed pop culture with you. The blue, the pills, uh, the the. I've seen the scene forty five thousand times at this point. Yeah, but. Uh, it's this, and there's another movie that I won't say because just in case it comes up. But yeah, it's on my list. I just haven't seen it yet. All right. 
Uh, Brian, why don't you give us your 92? Uh, my 92 will be my first animated film on my list, and that is How to Train Your Dragon 2. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the first How to Train Your Dragon came out, and I wasn't expecting much from it, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good story, uh, good voice acting. I thought it was very, you know, heartfelt, but still fun. It was something that kids and adults could love. Um, the second one, though, I thought took everything the first one did and made it even better. I mean, all the characters were more mature. You actually, it's a rare sequel where they actually let the sequel, let the characters grow up. Um, so you have an older hiccup. Uh, so his relationship with the other characters is all very different. His relationship with uh, with uh, Toothless has grown. Um, but one of the things I loved about this movie, well, there's two things I really liked that made this one my favorite of the trilogy. Uh, one is that uh, you bring back uh, Hiccup's mother, uh, voiced by Kate Blanchett. And I thought their relationship, uh, and as well as with Stoic, his father, I thought that all worked very well. But especially that uh, this movie had some balls because towards the end of this movie, um, spoiler alert for an old movie, um, Basically, Hiccup or uh, Toothless, while under this hypnosis control, kills Stoic, kills Hiccup's father, and that that moment and and the way that uh, that Hiccup reacts to it, you know, totally rejecting Toothless, that's so emotional. I mean, I am as an adult was tearing up watching that scene in this movie. Um, so I just really love the movie that the movie had on top of the beautiful animation and the beautiful soundtrack um, and everything about it and the story, but it just had a lot of heart to it. And it's something that I could enjoy. My kids enjoyed it, but then I enjoyed it on another level as an adult. And this is so made my top 100. I'm really surprised uh, that Brian, you're the only one who uh, has it on this list and it, it ends here um, because I feel like this is low key. One of the most, this community movies. Like I, I, I feel like if, I feel like if you throw Where's a rock, Nico? The, yeah, exactly. I feel like if you throw a rock in this community, you're going to hit three people who have this, their top 100. Um, and if, I'm glad Nico's not here because I'm about to trigger him. Uh, like I watched this movie. I, I really like the first one. Um, and my favorite parts of the first one were the flying scenes and, and the aerial battles, I think. But I feel like in that movie there were there was a build up to those, and it was there it was payoff when you when you finally got them. This movie, the entire movie takes place on the back of a dragon. They never land; like they're just constantly flying. And after like fifteen minutes, I was like, okay, enough. Like, okay, we, we get it. Like even like you know like there's just like expositional conversations they're having and they're flying on a dragon. It's like first of all there's no way you'd hear each other talk to each other right now. Second of all it's okay land for a few minutes just talk and then do something else. Um, I feel like th there is that one I was able to you know I just watched it not that long ago I was able to avoid the spoilers I didn't know exactly what happened but I feel like that moment is telegraphed so hard that the moment you're talking about with his dad. I feel like it's. I, I saw like there, there's there's a moment where you're like okay yeah that's de he's definitely going to die that's definitely going to happen. Um, so it kind of sucked the 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 emotional part out of me. And I feel like it's very sa like the like the third act is very samey. Just you got to get all the all the dragons together to fight the big dragons. The same thing that happened in the first one. Um, so I definitely like the first one. I, I think the the first one's far superior. Um, didn't hate this one, but definitely doesn't live up. To I it. like all three. Just this is the one I picked. This just edged out the other two. Everybody else on Hot Dream Dragon 2. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I will admit it. I forgot I was the host. This has been the hardest battle of my entire life when somebody's finished talking that I don't automatically jump in and say stuff. In. So, it's it's been very hard for me. Second, hey, Kirk, you were watching a cartoon dragon movie that they were flying on dragons. Like, it's called, it's called, you're, you know, you can expect things to not make sense because it's cartoons. Um, you're like my uncle that watches World War II movie. What I don't use those bullets. Well, shut the fuck up and just watch the movie. Who gives a fuck what's happening? Um, 
I love this movie. I've been on record that says How to Train Your Dragon, the trilogy, is probably one of my favorite. Like, I think it's my favorite animated trilogy, and I love Toy Story. I think, I think one, two, and three are good movies, but this one, even if you don't like three, I think this one is. I think two is the best one. It's probably the best DreamWorks movie out there. Um, I mean, I like Shrek and stuff like that, but this one has heart. This one has character development. This one able to build on the second one and not go overboard and not shoot. And crazy thing is I watched this dragon movie and I really enjoyed the flying element in this movie and they could fly for the entire movie and <laughs> I would be okay. I imagine how you felt they're Dunkirk when Tom Hardy doesn't land that plane to the end or Con Air. Those two, I'm just going to be started on Dunkirk. Uh, yeah, so we, can, we can battle about that because it's a <laughs> shit movie too. Uh, no, but this one's great. A good choice. It was close to making my list, but with those trilogies, it's so hard to pick one of them, and I didn't I want to take three spots, so yeah. I don't blame you. Good choice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually disagree with Kirk also. I, this is a good movie. It's a good animated movie. It's a fun It's a fun movie. It's the best in, in the trilogy easily. Um, I disagree about that moment being telegraphed because I didn't think the movie would go there, and it did. And it like has consequences, um, which I really respect in a kids' movie. Um, yeah, I just think it's fun. It's like a, it's a great big climax, and and there's good villain, and like Brian said, the death. You know, like it all worked for me. I mean, I'm surprised that I really like that movie as much as I do, but I, I really enjoy it. Um, this probably is my favorite of the three, and maybe my best um, two works movie. And you know, as Paul also said, um, for some reason, I never fully attached to this franchise, just as in like a rewatch quality. Like I enjoy it when I'm watching, but I don't feel a need to return. I think Kate Blanchett is like underrated and just how game she is to for you know for anything. Um, I think she works so well in big blockbusters that you just wouldn't expect because she's also just kind of a typical art house actress in a lot of ways um i will say my, maybe my biggest issue with the trilogy is, is not only is the name so so stupid but also it's just like presumptuous like don't tell me like i don't know how to train my own dragon who are you to act like you're an expert you don't know my life <laughs> all right <laughs> uh zach let's go to you for your 92 uh, I forgot I was going to speak, and I mute. Uh, my number 92 uh, uh, is um, The Farewell, what I'm sure many people hoped I was saying at this moment. Uh, the Farewell, oh, uh, one, one of the best food movies there are. I, I, the first time I saw this, I don't think I fully attached emotionally to it because I was, it was like super, super hungry when I saw this. And there's just like moments of, of big, you know, um, celebrational Chinese feasts and everything looks delicious. And I, I just like stared and um, just my chin was super slobbery, which it normally is pretty slobbery. I have, you know, some glandular issues, uh, but this is actually slobbery. Um, but I think a combination, like this is my ideal movie where you have, you know, the emotions hit hard and hit real with things we can relate to um, and things we have all gone through, through grief. Um, it uses universal experiences to connect to other cultures, with, you know, which is the magic of movies is it, you know, it makes us teach, learn about the world and, and become, you know, aware citizens um, that share this playing with other people um, it, it teaches empathy and i think this movie does it really well and also it's just like super ass funny so when you can combine sadness and grief with humor um that's my element i think this movie is underratedly hilarious she's super funny when you have aquafina you know lead she's not even 
the one delivering jokes. So, so it has magic as it can use the supporting cast to, to, to bring the humor. I think the her cousin and fiance or slash um, bride um, are so, so funny and awkward in this movie. Their whole wedding scene that, you know, they you could tell they're in love, but they're also kind of, you know, forcing this marriage to go along um, for their, their grandma who um, they assume is passing. So there's just still like an awkward physicality between the two. Um, and they, they never know just how they act with people around them and the attention. They seem so uncomfortable at, at, that it's delightful. Um, as the cousin kind of gets drunk and passes out his own wedding, it's just all too real. Um, I made it to like 3 a.m. in my writing. I was a champ. Um, but but that guy, um, just, just hilarious. And, 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 you know, the grandma, even though I think there's a lot of specificity in the Chinese culture to her, there's also, as I said, the universality. Like, this is like a grandma that we can all see. You know, I... Um, you know, care about my grandma. That's this is a hot take. I love my grandma. Uh, she's a great. She was a great person. You know, she passed away not too um, far earlier than this movie. But I, I can see the soulfulness and the, and the um, like matriarchal control of the family that this character has. And I think it helped me. You know, connect. Um, it's a lovely movie. Um, I'm so excited for Lily Wang's career. Um, I need to watch her first film, but I, I feel like she's just right in my realm with what I want from movies. Uh, yeah, this is a really good movie. Um, Aquafina is really good in this, and it just surprised me because just somebody coming from comedy so young, uh, being able to pull this off, like you said, that mixture of comedy and you know drama and uh, you know just just re reality. Like you you nailed it uh, on the head. It's just such a accurate portrayal of family. Uh, I love movies about family where they take the time to establish the different relationships and dynamics between different members of the family because that's how family works like you don't feel the same way you don't act with, with everybody in your family you don't act the same way you don't talk to everybody the same way everything's different i feel like they really nail that in this movie um i love the relationship with her she has with her grandma it's really sweet i like the relationship with her, her dad you know i like when they're singing karaoke together um and i just like you said it's very it's a very you know uniquely uh chinese american uh story but it's um it's universal because everybody's family is like that. Everybody has a cousin like everybody has a dad like everybody has a great, you know, everybody can relate to the story somehow. And um, that's what I really liked about it. So, yeah, really good pick. Uh, the farewell, everybody else. Um, I really like the first half of this movie. Uh, Aquafina is really good. Um, and then this is a true story. I was in the theater watching this and about halfway into it, um, I started to not be able to read some of the letters on the subtitles. And then another few minutes went by and I was losing more letters. And then about 20 minutes went by, like two thirds of the movie. And I start having big blotches of the screen, just like being colored circles. And I'm just like, I can't watch this movie. What's happening? Don't drop acid before ends. you go to the movie, dude. <laughs> no drugs were taken. The, the movie ends. Um, and at the by the end of the movie, my vision was all spotty. I could barely stand and I was incredibly sick out of nowhere. I had to go to the hospital. I don't know. They don't know what it was. I've had a, a scan and everything. It was a couple years ago, obviously never happened again. They could not tell me why it happened. Um, and I have not had a chance to watch the movie since. And that is my review of the farewell. <laughs> Ethan was COVID. Ethan was COVID patient zero. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have checked this movie out again because it's probably going to bring back some weird PTSD. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I agree. Isn't this 2019 or it's 2019? 20, yeah, 
I thought it was 2019. Um, I don't know. Fire fire Coho. He doesn't deserve to have this job. (laughs) Uh, Release date's not his thing. It's fine. Um, No, I love the farewell. Um, It's just hard for me. I've clicked play on this like numerous times. I just haven't went back because I had such an emotional reaction to this movie. Um, uh, And because, not because, I mean, it's not, it's not like overly sad or whatnot but like how how it made me feel um so i love this movie i can't wait to rewatch it i just haven't gotten in the right mindset to go back and watch it um but it was one of my favorite movies of that year so great choice it came close uh this movie i i didn't really have a whole lot of interest in this movie when it first came out but then you kept hearing things about it and then of course once it got like oscar nominations i'm like fine i'll go watch it and i did and it was fine. Um, uh, for me, uh, I will say for me, uh, a little Aquafina goes a long way uh, with, with her and her comedy. But this movie being kind of a, a comedy drama, they kind of toned her down quite a bit. So she actually thought she did a pretty good job in this. Um, so the movie's fine. It's just, I didn't love it. But yeah, it is what it is. All right. Okay, that takes us to everybody's final movie of the night, starting with uh, Cody at 91. So I uh, literally said it's hard with uh, franchises and stuff like that to uh, pick movies. Well, this one was a clear-cut choice. Uh, This franchise has always been close to me. It's been one of my favorite franchises. And it was finally finally topped the list after a while, but it's 2015's uh, Creed. Uh, Good. I didn't think anybody would have it. So, um, especially after it was in fandom, some people are never going to watch these movies again. Um, but uh, Creed, um, it took me a while because I've always liked the other Rocky movies, but Creed is overall the best story in the Rocky franchise, and it's not even close. Adonis has something to actually fight for. The Italian Stallion is just an upcomer and does good well, and then takes his career off. Adonis is fighting for a lot more in this film. Um, I think this is the best Stallone's ever been in a Rocky film and is inside this movie as a trainer. I mean, he's great as a boxer. He's great as the Italian stallion, but he does so much more with this, the cancer battle and between him and telling Adonis, he's got to take the chance. He's got to go with it. If he'll fight, he'll, um, he'll fight the cancer. Um, and the like emotional that, uh, how he lost Adrian, uh, this movie just works for me because of my love for the Rocky franchise plus adding the spin. And I thought this movie was not going to work at all. I thought when it was coming out, I thought it was going to be a train wreck. It actually works. And so what uh, I think the score is incredible. Um, I think uh, Tessa Thompson and uh, Michael B. Jordan's chemistry in this movie is just better than Rocky and Adrian's. Like it's just, it has that connection. Um, and I think pretty Ricky Conley and the best boxing by a mile in any of the movies. Like this, the boxing in this movie is so real. So a sports movie plus attached to the Rocky, it was a no brainer. Creed was going to make my uh, list. Uh, yeah, this is probably my favorite Rocky movie. Um, Rocky one would be the only one that even come close to get a run for its money. Um, that's because they're so similar. I think I, I love the first Rocky. And then after that, the series just gets more and more ridiculous. And this one grounds it again. And I think it makes it even more grounded than the first one was. Um, like you said, not only the best boxing, the only like thing close to real boxing in any Rocky movie. I would like people actually like there's a, there's that in that first scene. I love, I mean, that, 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 that that's we, when we did scenes in the 2010s, that was one of my top scenes was that uh, first boxing match where that's all one take. And there's a, there's, there's a shot in there where um, 
where Adonis blocks a punch and the crowd goes, ooh. And I think they actually put that in there because that's the first time in the Rocky franchise somebody actually blocked a punch <laughs> and didn't just leave leave their head out there to get you know brain damage. Um, but yeah, this is this is a great movie. This is just a masterclass. Like so many franchises are getting rebooted now, and ninety nine percent of them suck. This is a masterclass on how to do it. This does it perfectly. It brings in your new character. It gives him his own story. It brings in the old guy and uses him perfectly. Doesn't doesn't overuse him. Doesn't just bring him in as a cameo. Say, hey, remember me? Um, he has a purpose for being there, but the story's not about him. Uh, yeah, this is this is a great movie. Um, ninety one actually. Well, that, that's about where I had it. Um, so. That's 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 a good spot for it. Everybody else on Creed. I like I'm surprised Creed. Jody had it this low. I thought he'd have it higher than this. <laughs> um, I I like it. I'm I, first well for the Rocky franchise. I've I'm not. I, I enjoy the Rocky movies. I'm not like a huge Rocky fan. Uh, so when this one came out, I was kind of ambivalent about it. But I went and saw it, and I, I really liked it. Like you said, it was the most realistic boxing. Um, it kind of had a more real story, which the Rocky movies hadn't kind of had in a few movies before that. Um, Michael B. Jordan obviously did a great job. Uh, so, so yeah, this one is one that I really enjoyed a lot more than I thought I did. I thought I would. It was a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, Creed's, Creed's great. Creed's a fantastic movie. I mean, um, like Kirk said, like I mean, Rocky one is great. We'll talk about that later. But uh, every single Rocky movie after that uh, gets – more and more ridiculous. Even Rocky Two, people think that's a good movie. It's not. Um, and Rocky Balboa is actually not bad, but Creed brought it back, and it's 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 like up there for Rocky Rocky One and Creed for me. But uh, yeah, the fighting's incredible. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's uh, fantastic, and he's a great star. Ryan Coogler is like he's such a good director who's wasted on Marvel movies. Um, and uh, you know, I just yeah, I, I love Creed and. Uh, and it's a great way to carry on the Rocky uh, mantle. To Clubber Lang, pain. That's that's what I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like Creed um, quite a bit. I don't feel like I have anything that interesting to say. I think, think maybe that what holds me back from loving it is just it is, you know, some of a traditional sports movie. I like do really, really like Rocky, I think, because it's not traditional. It has a new Hollywood feel. It's, you know, it meanders and it's loose and there's no connections. And that's just my vibe. Um, I, I, I just found it more real and grounded in a way um, that I like to, and the characters are, you know, love, more lovable and charming. Um, but, you know, for a traditionally cut and filmed blockbuster, um, I still find this very exciting, very engaging. The boxing scenes are as thrilling as, you know, sports scenes can be. Michael B. Jordan, you know, really is a great um, movie star. He's a, a just, you know, like a great blockbuster lead. That's fun to watch. All right. Uh, Ethan, uh, what's your 91? All right. So my 91 is a movie that I, I cannot say that I enjoy. It's not a movie that I would recommend to people. But I do think that on this list, a lot of my movies were chosen because they are as effective as they can be in what they're trying to do. And my movie uh, is is Happiness by Todd Salons. Um, now, this movie is, if you've seen it, you're, you know, you're wondering why is this in my top 100 or whatever. This movie is trying to just break you as a human and it succeeds in that. Um, this movie was one of the first that ever, and maybe one of the only that have ever made me feel physically ill, um, and just like introduced existential dread to me and just made me so sad and depressed. It's about these three sisters <clears throat> whose lives are all like very sad for different reasons. 
and it just explores like what happiness means to everyone and like how happiness can take a really dark, awful form. Um, Dylan Baker made a very brave decision as an actor to, to basically lock himself in as a horrible, creepy villain for the rest of his career. He's incredible in this movie, but he, there's no way to put it. If you see this movie and you see him in it, you'll never not see him as the thing he is in this movie. And it, it's very dark, very, very dark. One of the darkest movies I've ever seen. Um, the subject matter is very uncomfortable, so I won't talk too much about the specifics. But, um, but yeah, I can't recommend you watch this movie, but if you want to be just broken, if you want your spirit just sucked out of you, then you should watch this nearly three-hour movie of just, or I guess two, two and a half hour, of just like depression and really, really gross stuff. Um, but all the acting is incredible. Jane Adams, one of the best uh, underrated actresses of our generation. Yeah, I haven't seen this one. And um, you can thank Desario Montenegro for his description of it on the last top 100 for the reason why I haven't seen it. Um, I mean, I could take a, a downer movie and I can enjoy a downer movie. Um, so honestly, like there's, there, uh, there's part of me that's like repulsed by what you're saying. And then there's part of me that's like, tell me more. So um, eventually this is another movie like Enter the Void where eventually I will get in the redhead space and I will watch it just because I'm curious. Like I said, I can... If 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 I remember a movie two days later, three days later, if it's still with me for whatever reason, it's with me. I consider that a good movie. So uh, this sounds like that kind of movie. So I will eventually check it out, but it's it's not going to be now. You will never forget it, Kirk. <laughs> Anybody else seen this one? Oh, I haven't seen it, but people have used a megaphone from the highest top of mountains screaming, stay the fuck away from this thing. Nazario <laughs> couldn't sell it on the last top 100. Ethan probably did a better job, but it's still not a chance in hell that I will ever... It can't. I think it will break my TV. Nope. Or I will break my TV. I don't know. So I have seen this. Uh, I was I was working in a video store, a managing video store when this came out. And of course, they send you like these advanced screener copies. So I went into this knowing nothing about it, not having anybody even warned about the tone of it or the kind of movie it is. I'm like, oh, it's a movie called Happiness. It's got Philip Seymour Hoffman, these other people in it. I'm like, I'll check this out. Holy shit, that's a disturbing film. Um, I I don't think I've ever watched it since then because it's not really something you want to watch again. Um, I will agree with Ethan. It succeeds completely at what it's trying to do. Um, so, but I, I couldn't put it on my top 100 for that reason. But it, I, I, I give it that. I give it that. Ethan, it does what it's trying to do. <laughs> so I'm currently I haven't seen it um, I'm currently trying to see if I saw a weird talk because I can't remember I didn't see it okay I didn't log it um, so I haven't seen any Todd Solomon's movie um, I honestly feel like I could be into it I think even though you know you described as depressing I think the absurdity of it all I feel like I am a separate person so I can I can jump on board with I'm just looking at the IMDB images and they're making me sad. Just <laughs> still pictures for the movie. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, that takes us to Brian and your last movie of the night. Uh, my last movie of the night, uh, I wouldn't get to talk about if, if Coho is actually in this group because it is La La Land. Uh, <laughs> I just thought <laughs> Cody loves this movie. Um, you know, they, they, they don't make a lot of modern musicals. I mean, they come out of musicals of like old 
Broadway production, things like that, and old stories. They don't make a lot of original musicals these days, and especially in, in movies. Um, this is one that came out. I was very excited for when it came out. Um, I I really love the music about it. It's kind of uh, it was kind of a revelation that you know Ryan Gosling and and Emma Stone could could you know sing. And some people will say they can't sing. I thought they performed the parts well here. Um, now they had both done some singing before in, in small parts here and there, but they weren't known just for their acting. Um, but I mean, this one from the most, you know, I, I love the, the look of the movie, the color they used, the cinematography. I thought the style, the whole LA look they gave it, I thought was excellent. Um, I thought the, the, the choreography was great from, from the biggest, you know, the, the peppy numbers down to the most, uh, you know, that there's a lot, several of the numbers are more somber. Um, and especially like that, there's the, the one that, uh, Emma Stone sings the audition. Uh, I thought some of these scenes were just so well done. And by the end of the movie, I was kind of, you know, it just made me wish that we get more musicals like this. Uh, yeah, this is a movie I don't hate. Um, I talked down about it a lot because it is so overhyped. I don't hate this movie. Um, it just, like I said, so overhyped. It's not as good as everybody makes it out. It's as a story. I like the story. I like, like you said, the look of it is great. Um, you know, just, just the setup for the numbers, like the, the opening scene on the highway and everything. Um, just a really good looking movie. Um, I'm not a fan of the music. I walked out of the theater, seeing this movie. And if, if, and I couldn't remember the songs, if I'm not humming your music, when I walk out of the musical, what's, what's the point? Um, it's yeah, they're, they're both good in it. Um, she gets a little, they, well, they both get a little annoying little obnoxious uh especially towards the end um and the ending is just a knockoff of uh the end of american in paris um i mean the movie knocks off a lot but that one's pretty obvious um but yeah i'm share mark i think you mean yeah i'm going to share mark yeah that too that too but um <laughs> like i said knocks off a lot but um yeah it's it, it's it's fine it's not horrible. I don't think it's best picture worthy. I don't think it's best picture contender worthy. Um, it's there. It's okay. Um, but it's it's incredibly overhyped. Everybody else on this one. So um, I like it quite a bit. I, I really need to rewatch it. I did with the Blu-ray uh, from a podcast, um, Humble Brag, um, and the record. Um, <laughs> So I, I need to revisit. I do feel like it was very, like, unfortunately and unfairly hurt by the discourse around it, and you know, by the Oscars event um, that that people felt like they had to take a side. Like they couldn't just be like, "I like it." They had to be like against it or love it, um, which is it's not fair to any movie. Um, but I do find it very lovely. I, I do think not only does the you know ending and plop, but the score itself. It, is so similar to Umbrellas of Cherbourg that it kind of gives it a little bit of a bad taste. Because um, the score is really lovely, but when you listen to Umbrellas of Cherbourg, it's, it's almost exactly the same. Um, so I don't know how they really got away with it. But I still think the chemistry is really lovely. Um, I'm a real big fan of like a stare to Rogers musicals, which I think this had a great ode to. Um, I, I that's why like my favorite um, song is it, and it is um, I'm gonna is it is it a lovely night that I make up that title? Is that a song in the movie? Sure, <laughs> whichever, sure, whichever, whichever one that sounds completely like a, a Fred Astaire movie uh, is my favorite one because I, I just like that classical vibe. Um, so I, I'm in for it. It also cinematography is pretty so. 
Good. I will say really quick that I, th- I actually thought going into the movie that there were going to be more scenes like like the one he's talking about, the kind of Fred Astaire vibe to it. Um, it, it when I fir- actually when I first saw the movie, I was actually a little bit disappointed by it on my first viewing, just because it wasn't what I expected. I was expecting a, you know a, a happier Fred Astaire kind of musical, and it was more somber. And so, like you said, the, the songs kind of disappointed me too. But as I rewatched it, I actually grew to love it more and more. Yeah, I, mean, I really, I, I do really like this movie. Sorry, were you saying, Kirk? No, good, Ethan, good. No, no, yeah, I mean, I really like this movie. I saw it uh, in theaters, and I was like, before, you know, it was either you hated it or you loved it. I just, I really liked it, and uh, I think the music's great. Uh, I knew Ryan Gosling could sing because he has a fantastic album called uh, Dead Man's Bones. You should all listen to it. Um, it. It's the best. I make every 12-year-old listen to it every year. It's the best. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love Ryan Gosling. Emma Stone's great in it. The music, I do think, is really good. I think it's incredibly directed. Um, I also love that it's, in my opinion, in the cinematic universe, the same cinematic universe as that thing you do, because uh, Thomas Ever- Tom Everett Scott uh, <laughs> is a guy who likes jazz, and he's going to a jazz club with Emma Thompson. I mean, Emma Stone. He is he's guy from that thing you do going to a jazz club. Uh, you can't tell me it's not. Uh, he just should have been wearing the shades. There you go. They were in his pocket. It's fine. Yeah, same same universe, but yeah, it's great. That's everybody, right? Okay, next. Uh, there are movies that I have retracted my statement on. Uh, this was a movie that I watched for 2016 that I did not log. Um, so things like It's a Wonderful Life went from a movie I can't stand to a movie that I, I really enjoy. Um, there was another one that was recent that I was wrong on. Um, this isn't fucking one of them. Um, this movie is <laughs> fucking terrible. I'm sorry, guys. It's it's pretty. It's I could give a shit less about Sebastian and Mia. Uh, she should have left right off the gate so we didn't have to hear her sing. I like Emma Stone, but let's be real. She can't sing. I think Gosling was fine. Gosling was okay throughout this entire movie. Uh, him open his jazz shop. She fucking becomes an actress let's leave right there uh sing street that was one that was surprised and came back around uh, this one's not one of them i'm with you kirk when i walked out of this movie and when i rewatched it i was waiting for it to come up i hope brian had it um i hope brian had it because that's who i thought would have it on the show list um <laughs> that i can finally log it i couldn't tell you i couldn't sing a line from one of the songs and one of them is cities of city of stars and i think they just repeat that damn thing over and over and over it's beautiful. Watch, look at painting. It's less time. You don't have to spend so much time. It's not two hours. My wife hated this, and she loves every cheesy bullshit movie that we've ever seen together. So, yeah, absolutely not. This movie's garbage. Garbage. All right. Uh, Zach, take us home. Give us your uh, 91. My, my, um, I'm going to sing a little ditty for you. Uh <laughs> I'm running with Maybe the wolves you tonight. <laughs> I'm running with the wolves. Um, it's it's Wolf Walkers. <laughs> um, Wolf Walkers is um, Irish animation uh, movie by Tom Moore. Tom Moore is a brilliant director. He's one of my you know favorite um, directors, let alone animation directors. Working on today, he did Secret of Kells off. Song of the Sea. Um, this this is a kind of a trilogy of connecting Irish folklore, um, you know, to modern animation movies um, that I think works brilliantly. I think this is um, legitimately one of the best looking movies that has ever been made. Um, not only is the animation starting to look at it, um, it's also like thematically purposeful. Um, I talked for an hour and a half about this on the Lucas 
Zach podcast. Um, I will plug this 30 times throughout the show. Um, but I think the way that they create a contrast between the society, this um, kind of British, or no, sorry, Irish society um, that is, you know, colonizing this natural area with the, you know, the magical um, natural environment around it um, through the animation is, is just stunning because the um, town is very geometric. It's very, the lines are very thick. Um, like everything is so separated and distant. And then the, um, you know, the forest and the woods, everything just is very impressionistic. Um, it, it kind of swirls together, um, blends together more like it's a community in a way um, that it, that is lovely. The story can be, you know, a little traditional, um, that I think it can maybe turn people off, but I think once you really get invested in what the animation is doing, um, it's terrific. But I also think the elevation of the melodrama in this movie, everything is taken very seriously, and it's through the eyes of you know a daughter who um, of the wolf hunter who gets bitten by a wolf, she becomes a wolf walker, um, and trying to protect these wolves that are being hunted. Um, but everything is taken taken so seriously, like it's the most important thing in, in, in the world. And the movie makes you believe it. They act, the voice acting makes you believe it. it, it it's heightened to the right level um, to where I think a kid um, and me as well, it's basically a kid can get really invested. Um, so it's a really recent movie, but I've still seen it you know, three times and, and um, intend to watch it. I might be Apple um, TV Plus's biggest fan just because they have Wolf Walkers. And I think I've only used my account to rewatch this movie again and again and again. Um, I haven't seen this only because I don't have Apple TV Plus. Um, uh, I'm curious about if it, you know, if it becomes available wider, I will probably watch it. Uh, I did watch the trailer for it and just the, the, the little bit I've gotten to know you, Zach, I, I was like, this is definitely a Zach movie. Um, and I was, it, it looks interesting. Like the animation, um, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel watching a feature length. It's, it's different. Um, you know, I, I could go either way on it. Uh, the story looks kind of bland. It just looks like that just for the trailer. It's like, it's the, 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 the thing that looks like a monster is actually the good guy and has the, the pure heart and the normal people who want to kill the monster, are really the monsters inside. That's just that beauty of the beast where it's been done to death. That's it. It looks kind of, the story looks kind of basic. Um, but it's something I'm curious to watch. So, um, well, I'll give you an incomplete on this one because I haven't seen it. But everybody else on Wolf Walkers. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but I really like Song of the Sea. So maybe I'll check this one out. Song of the Sea is great. I like the look of that, that style of animation, but for some reason, I've just never gotten around to seeing any of the any of the three. I've, they're all on my watch list. I have not gotten around to watching them yet. Yeah, I think the animation looks pretty cool, but I haven't watched it yet. Paul, because I'm here to talk about the movies, I guess it's it's more interesting to say something about the trailer than just say haven't seen it next. So I'm looking, for, I'm, I'm grasping straws here to talk about something, buddy. It's three and a half hours. <laughs> I got I, I got three and a half hours to fill. What do you want from me? Um, but speaking of, it was a long show. I appreciate everybody sticking in, sticking with us. Um, had a lot of fun. Nine down, or uh, one down, nine to go. And uh, this one was relatively painless. I think it's probably going to get worse from here. Um, let's do winners real quick. Do I give Cody, do I give letter grades on this, or do I just do... You don't give letter grades, you just give overall winners. Okay, overall, um, first place I'm giving to Cody tonight, he had Network, he had American Animals, he had uh, Missy Burney, he had Korea, a lot of good, Road to Perdition, uh, Step Brothers was his his misstep, haha, <laughs> but uh, otherwise, really solid list. Uh, second place, Ethan, um, a lot of good movies, I mean, specifically Night of Living Dead and Rope, those are both really high on my uh, top 100, uh, so to go to Ethan. And I'm going to say Brian and Zach are tied for third. Um, 
Brian surprised me. A lot of stuff I liked. Uh, Desperado, Romeo and Juliet, Murder by Death, and uh, Zach had Tampopo, um, and The Farewell. A couple other things I wasn't too high on, but nobody was terrible tonight. We haven't really gotten to the meat of the, the awful stuff yet, so I'm sure that's just to come, so stay tuned. It's coming. Uh, here's what's been yikes. Not so many. Again, this is why I picked this group, because I knew there wouldn't be a ton of overlap. Very uh, unique taste from all four of these guys. Um, I think so that's we'll, why we were longer than most episodes. Of yeah, the that's true. Yeah, it's not, we didn't have as many yikes, so it's yeah. going to be a longer series. So it's yep. going to be fun. All right. Okay. Well, that's it. Like I said, guys, thanks for watching. Uh, we'll be here next week uh, for the next ten. Have a good one. Intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Drunk, get angry. Come on, break the lousy cup. Ow! I hurt my arm. And not expect everybody. Everybody. I'm going there soon, you know. Is that so? Where are you going? Uruguay. Well, you go Uruguay and I'll go mine.